Hello, everyone. Yes. Oh, shit. I knocked my headphones off. Sorry, y'all. Welcome to the Eat, Break, Thought podcast. I am your host, Savoy Anthony Jefferson, a.k.a. the Undisputed Bussy Champion, a.k.a. the number one thought ally, a.k.a. Fat Bitch Bussy, a.k.a. the Essence of Le Bussy, a.k.a. the Notorious B-U-S-S-Y, a.k.a. Bussy Anna LaBeja, home to the legendary house of LaBeja, all right? Just be clear, all right? I am legendary, a.k.a. Platinum Bus, okay? You bitches is gold and silver, and there's not even a silver certification. Just so you clear, there's only gold and platinum and wow. multi-platinum, right? Wow. So I'm working my way up to multi-platinum, but you bitches is gold. And I want y'all to remember that. Wow. Stay in your place. You bitches ain't even charting for me, so. Ah, ah! Damn, Amber. You could have let them have a chart. You could have gave them at least... We we're every, we're always we're we're always there and we don't never see you. <laughs> we don't never see, we're don't always on the charts and we don't never see you. <laughs> Good luck booking that stage you speak of. Okay. I, I... <laughs> oh, Rihanna, we stand. We stand. We stand. Um, and now I'm going to introduce my lovely, the beautiful, the mm. sultry, mm. the Anita Baker podcast. Oh, come on. <laughs> With all my mind, I love you, baby. Come on, come on. I'm feeling like your mama is saying, Don't sing with me. (laughs) My mama would so say that too. Shout out to Jackie. Uh, Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. What's up? What's up? It's your girl, Amber, aka Emo Black Girl, aka Dual Oxytina Nose, aka Antidepressants, aka Savoy's Partner in Thought. Yes. And this is episode 220, entitled Love Jones. Mm. For the girls who don't know, Love Jones is my favorite movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a tie, but we'll save that other one for later. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, (sighs) Love Jones, Lorenz Tate, Nia Long, just (sighs) a film. A connection. A con- mm-hmm. I still remember. I remember the day I went to go see Love Jones. Damn, remember, you saw it in the theater. Uh huh. Okay. Look at me you. and my mama. <laughs> me and my me and Jackie. Shout out to Susie. Wu. We um, my dad was asleep, and I thought we were all going to see it together. But my mom was like, "Ah, uh, we ain't waiting for him. Come on." <laughs> First of all, such a black dad thing. Ah, ah. Like, and I was like, Mama, wait, we just gonna leave him? She's like, Yes, we're going. Come on. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, so we left. Me and my mama left. We got on the bus. And I don't know why we got on the bus, because I think we had our car by then. Um, but we got on the bus and we drove to Mill Road movie theater. Um, Damn, is this a Milwaukee exclusive? Yep, yep. Okay. We rode to we rode to Mill Road Movie Theater and we watched um we watched Love Jones and I remember just being like even at 11 cuz I was in 5th grade mm-hmm. and I remember being like, "Wow. That's a beautiful love story." Mhm. And your eyes are lighting up right yeah, now. Yeah, like it it's beautiful because it is 
it's fucked up in some ways and I, I recognize that it is but I also think that like at the end of the day sometimes love isn't perfect and there were a lot of mistakes made but I think what Love Jones to me is is the personification of sometimes you have to learn how to love somebody mm-hmm. and sometimes that way of learning is not always beautiful um, but in the end it can't be Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that should be toxic, but sometimes you have to learn and Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to get out your own way to learn how to love. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what that movie represents for me. Because there are a lot of struggles that I think a lot of them, both of them, both characters, like they had to get out of their own way and they had to let certain things go and certain patterns go and Mm -hmm. certain people go to to really notice, to see that person that they love for who they are Mm -hmm. and how to love them. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is for me. Yeah, I love Love Jones. I it used to be it used to be one of my favorite movies. I don't know if it is anymore. I have like it, it's like I have my favorite movies kind of like ebb and flow. Sometimes I do have mm. one mainstay, but like what's love your Jones, mainstay? Crooklyn. Oh yeah, yeah, Crooklyn is definitely oh, my mainstay. Um, but uh, with Love Jones, like it was dope for me. Not only just seeing the story, but this was my first time seeing like black creatives on screen Mm -hmm. and to see like Nia was, um, she was, she, she was a photographer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lorenz was like a poet. And then it was also set in Chicago. And if you know, like black Chicago is very artistic. It's very Mm -hmm. like creative. Um, and I think that was like kind of like the first time that I saw that. And, I was just like, yo, I fucking love this and this is what I want. I think this is kind of what also adds to my infatuation for, you know, like black creative men. And uh, it was Lorenz Tate, oh, a man. Uh, And yeah, so I just, I really, really love, I really love that film. Um, Did you hear that though? When you said Lorenz Tate, that was like, there was a little, I got wet. It was a little, it was a Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> Stop it! That's the sound of my puss. Um, yeah, no, Lorenzo is fucking fine still, and fuck, it was fucking fine then. But it also meant to me like Love Jones is like, you can have a moment with someone, you can have like a really thrilling, loving, passionate relationship, but sometimes it's not always going to work out, and that might not even be the person that you're going to be with. Mm. And I think like it was just like a really cool it was just like a really cool testament of like dating and like just living your life and like having a connection with somebody like it was it was really great. I love I love Love Jones Um, and the soundtrack outside of like Soul Food and uh, Waiting to Exhale like that's top three top three of my soundtracks because you know you had I mean because I'm a jazzy bitch okay you know like I'm a I love me some like jazz and I just remember my mom used to play it nonstop. like she was obsessed with it you know because it was um I forget I forget this woman's name but she she has a very deep voice it's like it's the you move me is she like you move me that was oh damn listeners if you can tell me who it is please with i fucking i fucking stand for her and um also escape had um they did a remake of uh 
uh, I want it to rain. I want to go outside. Yes. And then you had Penny in the Hole with it. You know, that's a that's a jam. Um, uh, a song. A song. I mean, they oh, wait, how am I forgetting? One of the best songs of all time, in my opinion, by Lauryn Hill is The mm. Sweetest Thing. Even though she was talking about a Haitian nigga, like... Ah, 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 ah. Yo, that's a fucking song, and I see. Feelings I, you don't know that could be could be developed for a Haitian man. <laughs> Actually, I developed the feelings like that for a Haitian and Guyanese nigga. So he was both. Ooh, trash. Ooh, the trash just jumped out. I mean, I'm in Brooklyn, so I haven't, I don't ever, like, I run into Haitians, but like, I don't know for some reason, I just literally have like on my forehead, like I like jamaican dick for some reason it's just like it's like jamaican men gravitate towards me i don't know what that is um but yeah i mean yeah anyway sweetest thing is such a fucking great song like once you hear that little guitar come in and then and then uh lauren be like ooh, 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 damn that's a fucking song so shout out Yo, if you're a jazzy bitch, listen to that shit. It's fucking good. Oh, I'll never forget. I remember asking my mom because she said kisses taste like amaretto. And I was like, what does that mean? And my mom was like, it's a drink. Like, I just remember like, Mm -hmm. I just remember like, what is this? Like, I just remember wanting to feel that way. Mm. You know, the sweetest thing. Like, just uh, that that is a song. Lauren can be late, you know, twice for me. Um just for that song she she's not gonna sing it the same anymore the bitch gonna fuck it up okay Savoy do you wanna give your Lauryn Hill impression I don't think I could the one I okay so y'all we were watching me Amber and MD were watching the Grammys and somehow we got on the subject of Lauren, and I said how Lauren be fucking up tracks <laughs> And she be changing it up now. And I did um I did um X Factor and I I'm not gonna do it the same way I did it because it was iconic it when was I did iconic. it when I did it. But now like I was like, you can't change motherfucking X Factor up to a up tempo fucking track. Like she changes the like has anyone has seen Miss Lauren Hill in the last ten years, you know that she changes up every track. So instead of um like it'd be like I'm it sorry. could all be so simple, ba 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 ba, uh. But you rather make it hard, boom boom boom. Hit the horns, like no, nah, bitch. That's not how I want it to be done. Okay, I want the soul of it. And y'all, I know y'all gonna be like, so what? Well, that wasn't that good because it, I can't do what I. I can't, recreate, can't recreate. I can't it, recreate. But it. I want to let y'all know he also did it faster. So he's ah, like, ah, it ah. could all be so simple, ba ba ba. That's all he would say is bop, bop, bop. Because that's how the fuck she be she doing. Do. She She be in her little choir robe directing. You know? Shout out to her. Talk about add the drums. No. No. <laughs> there were no fucking drums in motherfucking X Factor. Or you could be listening. Or she'd be playing it. And you'd be like, is this X Factor? Like, you, like because you remember a lyric. Like, you're like, is this the song? Oh, yeah, no. So, but anyway, sweetest thing. Whew, a song. A record. A soundtrack. A soundtrack in a movie. movie. So... Now that we have discussed the legendary movie, we are going to discuss our legendary guest. Are y'all ready? All right. We're going to get into it. 
um, one word that comes to mind is legendary. Absolutely. Come on. Iconic. <laughs> Iconic. Come on. Come on. A word. A word. Okay. Like, Truly. Honestly. Really? Like, you walked so Savoy can run <laughs> and others and yeah. miles. Like, I'm serious. I'm oh, so wow. serious. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> right, right. That's where we start. Ah, 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 no, ah, ah. let me no, tell no. you something. You deserve all the flowers. Oh, and we're going like, to give them to you today. Y'all going to make we're me g- cry. No, seriously. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Mill will begin. Um, welcome. All thoughts welcome. Mill will begin. We are going to go Ooh. through some of these stats. Um, Mm. But if you don't know, well, actually, you know, but you probably don't even know you know. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, he's one of the founding editors of Vibe Magazine, a former editor at large at Essence Magazine, the former editor in chief of Giant Magazine, and the current chief content editor at Afropunk. Um, so when y'all was putting, like myself, were putting up your Vibe covers mm-hmm. in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, he was making sure that those things were happening. Yeah. So the little Kim cover, yes. um, the Trina photo shoots, um, the, the 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 Trina photo shoot, okay, mm. um, the Mary covers. Mm. You know, did you do Ashanti's first cover too? Um, yep, yes, the one like the princess, the princess of the diary, princess yes. of a di- pr- diary of a princess. Yes, yes, I remember yep. that story. Yeah, because I hated the, the shanty. The blowing blue, yep. blowing mm-hmm. blouse. Yes, 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 yes. So mm-hmm. Beyonce, Pharrell, everybody. Um, yeah, everybody. Did it all. Yes, everybody. Um, you are also the founder of Native Son, an intergenerational movement with the aim of creating a safe space to empower Black gay men and celebrate their achievements in the arts, business, media, fashion, politics, and healthcare. You are an icon, a great, a true icon. So today we are going to give you your bussy flowers. Um, (laughs) Absolutely, yes, because you deserve them. You so Um, deserve them. So thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm about to start crying, and we haven't even started. Oh my god, we welcome tears. Let's start crying. I'm gonna cry with you. Okay, (laughs) we never had a guest cry before. Okay, we've had them do a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a lot of people do other things in this podcast, but never cry. Um, Maybe me. Oh, child. But anyways, this is the podcast where you can all. All emotions, are all emotions are welcome. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We're equal opportunity here. I love for it. emotions. I love um, it. Mm-hmm. Not for guests, because we only had black folks so far. <laughs> I love it. I'm here so, for so, Emil, so far forever. So far for pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, we might we might let Hispanic, Latino, Latino. Afro. Latinx. Afro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Latinx. <laughs> um any little known facts you would like to tell the girls about you? Anything you would like the <laughs> like the bussy hive to know? Hmm. Little known facts. Um, well, I was born with, this is freaks people out a little bit. I was born with six fingers on each hand. So <gasps> if you see these little bumps right here. Oh. And so that was always like a thing when I was a kid. Cause I was like, it's weird, but it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But you would never know that. Cause I never talk about it. So I'm sharing that. Oh one. my cool. God. Exclusive. <laughs> yes, yeah. On. I think it's like, they call it an extra digit. So it's just like it looks like a little. Mm-hmm. Was it like an, a longer one, or was it just like a little? <laughs> they cut it when I was little, so oh, I okay. never. It just always was this little. But I was like, y'all couldn't do a better job. Yeah, like y'all couldn't make it look like it <laughs> never was there. But that's like a pre-plastic surgery moment. So mm, look at you. Come on. <laughs> 
the original, the OG, right? The OG, getting work, twelve finger OG. Yes, yes, yes. You were getting work before the girls even knew what work was. See, or a freak of nature before. No, no, no. As always, we start the show with bussy pep talks, which is one reason why Amber, myself, and the guests are proud of ourselves this week or love ourselves this week. I will start. So my Bussy Pep Talk is just because um, this week I um, just made a lot of great connections. And one in particular, but, you know, I'm going to hold the rest of that for myself. Yes. But yes, great connections. Mm. (laughs) Um, I'm proud of myself this week. Um, So just to give you, because y'all know I like to share my life a little bit, but um, I went to uh, my psych and I told you guys I changed my meds and stuff, but that medication gave me a rash. I had an allergic Mm. reaction to it. And so um, I had only been taking it for like a couple of weeks. And I was like, oh my God, this is working so well. Like Mm. I feel so much better, like off this other medication. And then I was telling that to my psychiatrist and she was like, that wasn't that medication. Maybe you just don't need to be on medication anymore. And I was like, what? And so I was like, what a concept. So um, I'm not proud of myself not because I'm getting off of meds or whatever but uh, I'm proud of myself because I feel I feel very good and I'm doing things to like help myself feel good so that's like working out or you know like making breakfast for myself in the morning and like just doing things that make me feel good and focusing on me and and really working and she also is attributing to like the work that I'm doing even in therapy so um, I'm proud of myself for doing the work and f- kind of feeling those results. So, oh, man, come on, Amen. that's my friend. Self care, come <laughs> yes. on, self care. And today, while she was at the gym, she saw a man lifting. <laughs> he was literally lifting in Tim's. I want New York men to not be such a stereotype. Like, I, I don't. I know, lifting. but I had to pull my Tim's out today because of the snow. Oh yeah, but that's good. But you yeah. weren't at. The, the gym. gym. But I also wasn't at the gym, so that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> so, I just started. I wasn't it. to look. <laughs> Listen. Blink took the money out yesterday. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I had that. that part, yeah, right? I, that I, part. I when that happens. I you're had, like, I pay and I don't go. Yeah, I've yeah. had Blink for like six months and didn't go. Yeah. Yeah, so. So, don't. Shout out to us. For having enough income that the Blink. Riskless. That we like, take the money. Um, Emil, what is your bussy pep talk for the My bussy pep talk is, well, so Thursday hosted the Native Sun Awards, Mm -hmm. and it was the third time, and that was a big thing, and I'm super proud because we weren't able to do it last year for a number of reasons, Mm -hmm. so I missed a year, and I'm a Virgo, so that was driving me Mm -hmm. crazy, Mm -hmm. just on a consistency level um, and continuity level, Mm -hmm. and then... Um, you know, it was never going to be a good time. I work full time. It's just been super busy. And I like really, really pushed through. And it was really, really hard to get it all organized. And we kind of waited a little last minute, but mm-hmm. we pulled it together and it was mm-hmm. amazing and spectacular. And um, I'm just kind of sitting in that. Like, I received so much love that night mm-hmm. that, and it, for me, it's really a gift to the black gay and queer community it's not Mm -hmm. about me Mm -hmm. um but having done it and realized how much we needed it Mm -hmm. yeah from a community perspective and even just 
the FOMO that people have had because they want to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. so then, like, I've had friends come in that are like, okay, we're going to help you. Like, what do you need? Because I really was like, I can't do this alone anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I've been carrying this weight. It's really heavy and it's for us. So how can people help? And people have really stepped up, like, in two days, like, mm-hmm. helping to organize things that I needed organized. So I'm feeling affirmed yay come on come on come on firm affirmed bussy affirmed bussy affirmed bussy affirmed bussy what we all need mm-hmm. yes mm. Ooh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, I just had a memory of a firm. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> of an actual firm bus? A uh, uh, firm bus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Short-lived, but it was, yeah. Anyways, okay. um, and I feel like it's coming soon. But anyways. Anyways, but I'm protecting that. So, um, we, as always, we start the show with Eat. Um, so, just, you know, are you ready? Relax. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm okay. relaxed. You come are, come yeah. on. Yeah, get relaxed. Yeah, you know, good. you just want to make sure that, you know, things go where they need to go Perfect. with ease. <laughs> yes. Slowly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> be, be gentle. It's yeah. been a minute. Yes, yes. <laughs> we are careful tops. Here. Yes. <laughs> Loving tops. Loving tops. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not a top, um, but y'all know that already. Um, um, I, Amber is. She tops from the bottom. I never have topped. <laughs> she tops from the bottom. I just like to tell people what you to have do. A, you identify as a top. Yes. Yes, I yes, do, actually. Yes. I identify as a big top. Big top energy. Big top energy. <laughs> yes, big top. <laughs> big top energy. Um, what is the most memorable or famous dinner date you've ever had? Uh, most memorable or famous dinner date. I know I'm struggling with this one because I'm trying to think when because the date part. Well, it, when I say date, you know, I have to be like an actual date. Oh, so. OK. Yeah, then yeah, that's yeah. easier. OK. Yeah. So just, I was in um, when I was editor in chief of Vibe, we would go to uh, Milan and Paris for Men's Fashion Week. OK. And um, gosh, this is so good. So the first time I went, Quincy Jones went with us. So. <sighs> Yeah, so every dinner was <laughs> like amazing because it was like always with Quincy. Um, but we had a dinner after the Versace show at the Versace home in Milan. Um, and it was Quincy and it was like all these celebrities and fashion editors and models and Naomi and uh, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, it was like, I was like, uh, uh, okay. And I literally was like, I remember being there and just being like, is this really happening to me? Like, right. am I really at a Versace dinner with Quincy Jones and Naomi Campbell? Like, mm-hmm. is this really, really, really my life? Yeah, that so. is crazy. Was Quincy like as outspoken as he is now like back then yes <laughs> yeah i mean he's like uncle you know what mm-hmm. i mean like and you know kind of grandfather but really like your cool uncle mm-hmm. um and is a walking talking living just encyclopedia of black culture and mm-hmm. excellence and not just black like it's like a vanity fair article that is living And so he's just telling you all these stories and people that he's met. And you're like, what? Like, you know, and he then goes back like, well, you know, between Sarah Vaughn and Ella Fitzgerald. And you're like, what? Are we really having this conversation right now? But it's also just like his, you know, he knows people around the world. So it's like every world leader, every business person. And um, 
And then it's just, I never met someone that had such an encyclopedic knowledge of music. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always interesting because he'd talk about stuff and I'm like, okay, Google that when we're done because I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and just brilliant, brilliant Latin music, classical music, mm-hmm. obviously black music, um, really into hip hop, which was interesting um, <laughs> and making the connections with jazz. Yeah. Um, and then just, or his stories about, you know, his best friend, Ray Charles. It's just incredible to yeah. be able to sit with it's the one person i will say that i sat to interview with and i was like trembling i was so nervous <sighs> wow yeah look yeah i, I, I ain't got nobody <laughs> <laughs> not yet you not know yet not yet not, not yet, yet. no not yet no i mean for for me right now i was at a party with prince one time so that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Mark Pitt's party after um oh, BT Awards. Yeah, yeah, but that's good. That's yeah. good. No, it was a cute party. Like it was like it, it was literally Usher, it was Jermaine Dupri, mm. Miguel, J. Cole. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. kind of and, amazing. Exactly. Yeah, like no, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it wasn't amazing, but it's not Quincy Jones. But, Although Prince was there. Prince, Prince walked past. Here's me. here's the thing. Like, See, okay. Yeah. You got a Prince glimpse. <laughs> exactly. Like that's amazing. I got and you know what's funny? I got a Prince glimpse like two months after that at Fashion Nights Out. Fashion okay, Nights. Okay, so and yeah. you were there when uh, Nikki and Cardi fought. So come oh, really? on, yes. come on, support. So don't I, I forgot. I forgot are... at the bazaar party. Yes, yeah. are... the fashion icons mm-hmm. party. Wow, yeah. what an yeah. iconic moment, you yes. know? So like, and I was literally walking. I was walking up the steps. Oh wow! When the fight broke out, I had a friend who was in the middle with mm. his client and trying to help break mm-hmm. them up yeah yeah or make sure they didn't get near each other mm-hmm. rather yeah 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 i was look at you i ran the boy. other way and my client <laughs> stayed at the mess so i was down the stairs oh wow because i didn't know what all i knew was i saw white women running towards me Oof. screaming and okay. i was like you know what i'm going because when white women run you gotta you step just, out the you way just gotta, you gotta because mm-hmm. they'll they'll and step hope on no you. police come yeah so but in my mind <laughs> i knew who it was because i saw them arrive yeah. like within five minutes uh, each other. so okay. i already knew who it was like right. i was like it's nikki and cardi and then right. as soon as i walked up the stairs it was nikki and cardi mm-hmm. of course my client was just like did you see you didn't see the good stuff and i was like yeah he's yeah. 22 so he he was excited i was more like right nah, this is this is not cute but wow. anyways uh, uh, yeah i just hear Jesus and Meryl say you're and suck my dick from the back every day so well, okay. um but yeah but ah, you ah, ah, ah. <laughs> okay go let's go <laughs> <laughs> come on um what is your fondest cooking memory involving your mom my, so that's a trick question. My fondest cooking moment with my mother um, was, uh, you know, she made this famous pumpkin bread that was my grandmother. It was a family recipe. Mm-hmm. My grandmother used to make it. So it was always like, okay, Thanksgiving, Christmas. And my grandmother's was better than my mother's. But then my but then my mother and grand my, my grandmother came to live with us, mm-hmm. and so she kind of perfected my mother's version. So my mother has Come it on. written down like in ink on like real paper with like grease spots, which I was like, because no one knows where the recipe is, but I have it, and I was like, it's on my phone. Like now I don't understand the secret. <laughs> so no one knew how to cook it, and she wouldn't share it with anybody. So as her health was failing. Um, I had volunteered to go home to help her be her sous chef because mm-hmm. we didn't want her to 
you know, she was mm-hmm. like in a way that she couldn't really do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll come help you. I'll be your sous chef. So my brother and his wife, we were like, so then I can learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hardcore. I'd have never, I never pledged, but it's what I would imagine <laughs> pledging would be because I felt hazed. <laughs> like crazy and so over the course of a weekend we made 300 loaves of pumpkin bread okay and it was really really great so that was literally the weekend after the first native son awards Mm -hmm. and so i had disclosed my hiv status at the native son awards um for the first time publicly Mm -hmm. except i'd never told my mother Mm. Mm. So then I was like, okay. And then she was like sickly. So I was like, "Mm." and then I didn't know if it was going to get picked up in the press. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was like, kind of need to tell her. So that morning, the New York Times came out in the style section and it had the Native Sun Awards Mm -hmm. right below the Alvin Ailey Gala. So I was like, I made it. Um, Come on, come on. on. So my mother was so happy and excited. And so um, I called a friend of mine who helped me come out um, about my status because he had done it. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Did you tell your mother? And I was like, well, you know, she's not really doing good. And like, mm-hmm. the baking is hard and taking a lot out of her. And he was like... <laughs> I love how you attributed it to the, the, the baking is hard. It's all about <laughs> the baking. So he was like, well, I told my grandfather when he was in intensive care. So you can go tell your mother. Like, she's at home baking. You can... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got off the phone. We were on the last batch of bread. And um, yeah. And then I just was like, she had been talking about my aunt who lived in Harlem, who died of cancer, who never told the family she had cancer. So she just mm-hmm. kind of died. And so mm-hmm. she was mad because I was one of, her, one of her best friends. So yeah. she was just mad at her. She kept talking about it. So I was like, this will be my lead in. So I was like, you know how you're mad at Aunt Gwen for dying and not telling anybody she had cancer? I was like, well, I don't have cancer, mm-hmm. but I'm HIV positive. And she was like, okay. And it was just really emotional because, you know, I kind of was telling her the story and she was like, why did you take so long? And I'm ashamed. I said I was ashamed. Mm -hmm. And it was just like emotional, but it was beautiful because we were baking this bread and it's Uh. part of the tradition. Um, And so then she had to kind of process it. But I went through this whole thing and talking Mm -hmm. about being undetectable and that I'm healthy and Mm -hmm. I've been on meds for this long and I've had Mm -hmm. it for like at that time, 15 years. And um, she's like, well, you're taking good care of yourself. I need to take care of myself. Mm. So that was really beautiful. Then she went into the living room, to the other room, and we were listening to gospel music on my um, computer. So I put my computer and my laptop in with her. And I was Mm. like, why don't you just keep listening to this and I'm going to be in the other room. And then she was fine. Mm. She kind of processed it. Mm. But that is the most famous cooking experience with my mother, for sure. That's a moment. It feels cinematic almost. Mm -hmm. Like you like making, you know, baking this bread with your mom. Like I just, wow. Yeah. It's crazy. It was beautiful. I mean, that's what I later processed it, mm-hmm. right? And was like, after the hazing part. After the hay, after I like rested after cooking all that bread. It's a lot. Like, it is. and I've never baked. So this was like, baking is hard. And people don't get that because yeah. you got to get everything's got to be, the mixture's got to be right. Mm-hmm. The batter's got to sit right. Mm-hmm. Then it's like the heat of the oven and calculating that mm. and is it has it risen enough is it brown enough mm. is it does it pop out of the it's a lot is your mom from the south 
my mother is from um, Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. And Come on. Our, Interesting. Yeah. And our family, a lot of our family, when they migrated south after um, emancipation, mm-hmm. they um, moved to Illinois, mm. like Kiwani, Illinois, and Missouri. Hmm. And so her family did that. And I guess part of the family ended up in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. And there are black people in Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yes. We know. Yeah. We do. We from, we're all from the Midwest. Right. Here, so. so y'all yeah, know. We, but, we know. But people who aren't are like, they're black. For all you raggedy yeah. motherfuckers, yes, there are black folks There's in every area. There's a lot of yeah. black people in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot. It's a very black city. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just like you girls who don't know, no. We out here. Yeah. We everywhere. Okay, so speaking of the Midwest, um, how do you feel growing up in the Midwest affected your cooking style? So, huh, that's a good question. So here's the thing. My mother only ever made pumpkin bread. Like that is her own that was her signature thing. Mm-hmm. She was a working woman. She was a working mom. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was not cooking. My dad would taught me how to scramble eggs. Mm-hmm. My mom, which is important. Which is super, listen. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to show y'all tomorrow. That's going to be real important. <laughs> and then cuz everybody um, came, I don't trust. I only eat like three people eggs. And you and it's like a thing, right? And he like puts a little salt and milk and like mm-hmm. makes it mm-hmm. good. It's mm-hmm. not just scrambled eggs. Mm-hmm. Um so my mother though because she worked you know, she worked full time. She had my brother and I. My father was always working late. Mm-hmm. And she was in all these clubs, like social and civic clubs. So she was like, I'm not doing all that. And she was just like, I'm a feminist. I'm not doing that. Like, I'm yes, not mom. doing it. So the TV dinners are in the freezer. I'm on my way home. Turn the oven on. Don't burn the house down. Put the things in so it's ready by the time I get home. We can all sit down to eat. Come um, on. She would cook, but it was she didn't care. So it was literally like, here's the meat. I'm going to rinse this. I might put some pepper on it. Like, maybe. (laughs) And then we're going to have minute rice and frozen green beans and some applesauce. And yeah. Mm -hmm. You're lucky you got food. Go ahead. Okay. So she didn't really care about food. So how did that affect me? Um Cincinnati is has very specific food mm-hmm. that is really good. So they have this chili with cinnamon in it. In it. Yes, I have Skyline had Skyline or Gold yes, Star. I'm I've a Skyline person. Um, I've only heard, I've only tried Skyline because okay. somebody brought it to a function and they were like, this is really good. And I was like, oh, okay. And they do these amazing Coney Islands, which is like a hot dog on a hot dog bun mm-hmm. with, you can get mustard, chopped onion, um, the chili, and then this pound of shredded um cheddar cheese and it's like heaven mm. on earth it's mm. so good mm. um and then there's a very kind of specific cincinnati pizza yeah midwest it's just bland i mean everything is kind of like it's meat and potatoes so mm. um i love meat and potatoes yeah so mm. it and didn't cheese. so i think if a anything word. yeah cheese a lot mm. of cheese i think if anything it By made dairy, me period yeah we love dairy. Great ice cream, great cookies. Yeah, I love yeah. it. But I think it was so bland, it made me want to try other foods. Like, I was like, I want spicy. I want mm-hmm. other things. So it just made me more, like, ready to try new things when I got out of Cincinnati. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. So what would you say, like, what city has the best cuisine, hands down? Oh, that's good. Huh. New Orleans. Absolutely. Amen. One thousand percent. <laughs> like I don't even. You, you're it's not like, get, no it, one's going to argue with no you. No right. arguing. It's like everything tastes good. Everything. And, like everything. Mm-hmm. Everything tastes like love. <sighs> That's exactly how it tastes. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sometimes a little hate too. I'm not mad at the hate. <laughs> I haven't had the hate in the food in New Orleans. Is the hate? <laughs> is it how like Chick Fil A has hate in their chicken, mm-hmm. but that chicken still uh, tastes yeah, so good? Yeah, you know, and it's a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's such a yeah. problem. Like I always, if I'm having a moment and I'm traveling through, specifically Atlanta, I'm always like. So what would it be like if I could like walk by the counter, hand them money, and they just drop it in my bag so no one would see me? <laughs> but I can't do it. I just, especially being a black gay activist, I can't do it. Yeah. But it's so good. But yeah, I can't. Do I ain't it. letting it go. Look, look. I let go. I've let it go a lot of things. I'm not mm-hmm. letting go of that Chick Fil A. Okay. Mm-hmm. For at least not, no, I can't. Yeah. Okay. I don't go often. Yeah. I know, but still. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, New Orleans, everything. Absolutely. Every every single solitary mm. thing. Mm. It's so good. Mm. I want a catfish and shrimp po' boy right now. Oh. <sighs> right, right. And a bananas foster. Mm. I just want some gumbo. Really. Oh, yeah. It's cold out, you know. Yeah, big old Dumas. bowl of gumbo. Yeah. My mom is from Mobile, Alabama, which mm. is very close uh, to New Orleans. So the Gulf has like a the similar culture. Yeah. Uh, and so that's all she would do is like make gumbo when it was cold. And it was like our mm. favorite thing. And that's what I, it's just good. And then a good old beignet. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just a good old just beignet. Just Just go ahead. Ugh. Mm. And the coffee. Mm. You know what? I don't like I'm not like in love with Cafe Dumont's coffee. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Mm. Like, mm. see, I love I well I I like it. I love community coffee from New Orleans. Community see, coffee. See? Yes. <laughs> what do you get? The the chicory one. Okay, I get the turtle milk with sippy. Mm. Yes. Everything. Mm, I need to go. I haven't yeah, been there. Girl, yes. Next time we go. We and it's can. like it's like you can get like the beans, the ground, like you can mm-hmm. it's a thing. Okay. Yes. Yes, come on. You better know about CC. I know about food and Ooh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> when I went to LSU, we had one inside, a CC's inside the library. When I tell you, I used all my little um, tiger points. Yeah. Um, turtle mocha So good, right? Right, so good. So Ooh. good. Ooh. Mm. Um, okay, pray. We start pray the same way every time. Okay. What is your passion? My passion is... Um, well, okay, so my passion are multi-layered. My passion is creativity, moving mm-hmm. culture, and elevating marginalized communities. Mm. That's it. Look, look Clear. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> I know, I it, know. And I try to merge them. Okay. And you, I think you su- successfully have, absolutely have. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Okay, so when you created Native Son, mm-hmm. what was your biggest hope as well as your biggest fear? My biggest hope was that that people would get it and receive it um, and kind of just understand the need for it. I mean, I think it was the biggest fear, I think, was would the community accept it mm-hmm. and receive it and actually come together and then would people believe me as an activist? Mm-hmm. I think that was my biggest fear. Why did you think they wouldn't believe you? Um, because I think 
prior to Native Son, like I've done community service and I've served mm-hmm. on boards and I've been a um, HIV and AIDS advocate and activist for years. And there's a lot of activism layered in my journalism. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like I never thought I'm not the like I'm going to go march, yeah. you yeah. know, at City Hall or go to D.C. I'm just not that type of activist. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like. I literally had this conversation with DeRay recently like like I need guidance on how to be an activist he's like well you're already doing it Mm -hmm. so it is just the doing of it so I think I just was like with people you know there's been so many amazing men black gay men Mm -hmm. who've come before me who are still or who's still here Mm -hmm. who are doing amazing work in our communities a lot of that work has been focused on HIV and AIDS which I think is very very important Mm -hmm. work I think we need to reframe that work um, and so this was my opportunity to do that because my thing is, well, our numbers are still still super high, so we need to rethink that work mm-hmm. and 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 apply it in a different way. Yeah. Um, so that was my biggest fear. My biggest hope mm-hmm. was um, that it would become a global mo- movement. Okay. Um, so it succeeded my expectations like you know we've done meetups in um paris and then i've done speaking and talks in Joburg, like in townships mm-hmm. representing native son um and i have people hitting us up from all over the united states and the world mm-hmm. who want to be a part of it mm-hmm. so um yeah, so it succeeded. It's it's kind of scary. Like I was standing in the room the other night looking at this dinner that started as a 50-person dinner and then there were like 200 people in a room that we reframed it as a cocktail. Mm-hmm. And like I was like there's 200 black gay men in this room. Like that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. We've had t-shirts in Bloomingdale's with the with native sun on it and in the windows of blooming like that's just crazy to me mm-hmm. like we've done talks at google and yale and princeton like that's crazy to me mm-hmm. so it's it's been amazing to see you know a dream come to life yes well i love that this is also a safe space for for black gay men mm-hmm. um and so i'm always interested to know like also as you as a, a black gay creative um like prior to Native Son, what were some of like your safe spaces and like why were they safe to you? So that that's such a great question because I think about when I first moved to New York mm-hmm. and, and I came out when I moved to New York. So I had, I went to Hampton and I was kind of trying to figure it out. Okay, HBCU. Yes, Hampton, shout out. Yeah, I went to Spelman. Okay, yeah. no problem. Oh. Don't do. Th- <laughs> I went to a PW. I went to okay. multiple PWIs. Okay. Well, <laughs> Look, good. you like, know what? I know. I just, I just have one. I want to include them. No, no, no. You like no. Went to University of Wisconsin Green Bay for two years. Went to LSU for a year, and then graduated from the University of Wisconsin Whitewater. Shout out to the University of Wisconsin Whitewater because I never talk about them as much as I do LSU. Oh wow! Because okay. I did way more ignorant stuff at LSU. Cool. I mean, I was tame. <laughs> I was tame by the time I got right. to Whitewater and. And my daddy was like, nigga, you didn't do shit at LSU. Can you kind of go back to like being my favorite child again? <laughs> right. Pretty but much. I love it. I love it. 
So yeah, when I moved to New York, so then I went to London for the summer in between Hampton and coming to New York. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of came out because I was reading Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. Mm. And I had, I saw this movie, um, Looking for Langston by um, Isaac Julian. Mm -hmm. And it is this really beautiful movie um, that is, it takes the writings of Langston Hughes and it kind of takes you back to the Harlem Renaissance. And it's like a, like a mythological love affair with uh, two black men gay men and then it brings you forward to like the underground club scene in the 90s and it takes you back and forth and it was the first time that i ever you know on film saw a representation that looked like me because at that time too i was scared it's like hiv and aids people are dying Mm. like don't have sex with people don't have you have to have safe sex so it was just like then i was freaked out by sex and then it's like i'm choosing to kind of leave a hbcu and then i'm in europe so i'm like okay no one knows so i can kind of explore that here Mm -hmm. um and then when i came back to new york um when i came back to the united states i moved to new york to go to columbia journalism school so Mm -hmm. that's when i kind of came out and they're just, I kind of find, found clubs to be a safe space mm-hmm. because you could go to clubs and be with other gay men and it was okay. Yeah. And then allies. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like in my early development, like we used to go to the Octagon, which is this like, it was a legendary black gay club in the 30s in Hell's Kitchen and it was like really far west near the west side highway Mm -hmm. and so downstairs was like house music Mm -hmm. and then upstairs was hardcore hip hop and R&B and so you go in and get your life and then they would do like a dance hall section which I always felt guilty dancing into that section of the music mm-hmm. but it was just amazing but it felt I felt safe I felt like I was surrounded by all these other black gay and queer and trans people mm-hmm. and it just felt yeah I felt safe and I think as the digital age has happened and we don't have clubs like that anymore, we don't have as many black bars and parties, it's harder to connect in groups, right? Mm -hmm. So that was part of it, was wanting to create a space where we could come see each other and not and be comfortable seeing each other Mm -hmm. and also have conversations that are relevant to us. Um, And it's kind of interesting because also I think we've, our community is super diverse so we have black gay men who live in black communities we also have a lot of black gay men who are isolated because they have corporate jobs or they live in white neighbor or they grew up in white neighborhoods or went to white colleges and stuff like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so they don't have that connection mm-hmm. um and i remember we did an event in la and a friend of mine who is he's mixed he's black and jewish and he's like i felt like i was caught up when i lived in new york he lives in la now i was caught up in like this pu- white publishing gay world and fire island and i never had any black gay friends Mm. and so when i came to the native son event i felt like i was home and i felt whole so to be able to give that to somebody Mm -hmm. and then to introduce them into a very normalized black comfortable dope community of Mm -hmm. black like black identified black Mm -hmm. people is is powerful wow come on it's a lot (laughs) so you discussed like the you um in one article, I believe it was the essence. Um, you mm-hmm. said you came up with the idea for Native Son after meditating about your next career, like step, next career step yep. in India in 2015. Yes. At that time, 
would you say you were lost professionally or over it or something else? Like, where were you at in that space so in 2015? At that particular moment, I was laid off from my job at Essence, um, which is so amazing that they would let me write about that years later mm-hmm. in Essence um, or talk about it. Um so I was laid off as part of a separation of Time Inc. and Time Warner. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where I've never been fired, I've never been laid off, and I was really grateful about that. And then I knew there were going to be massive layoffs that day as part of the separation, but I was like, I'm not going to be on the list. And kind of had gotten insider confirmation I wasn't going to be on the list. Ooh. And then mm-hmm. was in a fierce outfit on my way to work and we were having all these really powerful meetings and a, the, a, one of the most proud covers that I've done in my career was Oprah Winfrey, um, Forrest Whitaker, Michael B. Jordan, and Chiwetel Ejiofor because they were all, you know, in very popular movies that, that year mm-hmm. and um, we're going to get some had Oscar nominations and didn't. That cover came out that same day and I was part of 500 people that got laid off and... Um, I work with this woman, Barbara Bizu, who's a vision coach. She's not a life coach, so she helps you focus your vision, get rid mm-hmm. of what you don't need so you can make space for what you do need. She mm-hmm. uses ancient spiritual practices. It's very cool. This sounds very upper echelon. Yeah. Very, yeah. Leg- very, very legendary. <laughs> okay. Um, and she's really dope. And so I called her and I was like, oh, my God, I got let, I got let go today. Mm-hmm. And she's like, did they give you a severance? And I said, yes. And she said, congratulations, the universe gave you what you asked for. And I had to really stop because I was spiraling like, I got to let go. I'm not good enough. I got it's like being fired. What am I going to do? She's like, you wanted to leave. You didn't know what you wanted to do. You wanted to start your own business. You couldn't figure out what that was because you were so busy working and you couldn't carve out the time to do it. Now you have the time and the universe is financially supporting you to figure it out Mm -hmm. so now go figure it out Mm -hmm. and it really shifted um my thinking and also my friend bevy smith was like you're old school so you're looking at this like you got fired you didn't get fired Mm -hmm. yeah and so that and she said own the narrative like don't be like oh i decided to leave she's like tell people you got laid off Mm -hmm. that was really important too because it gave me a first of all you so many people have been laid off from their jobs so they're like Mm -hmm. oh yeah me too like so that was cool because it like normalized everything Mm -hmm. and then also um it just kind of forced me to go outside of my comfort zone and figure out what i wanted to do so an ex lives in india i went to india Mm -hmm. just to on an eat pray love situation yeah it sounded like it yeah also to see like what's or maybe like Mm -hmm. i don't know day two i was like okay we good um (laughs) (laughs) we good (laughs) now remember (laughs) i ain't need to come all the way over here for that but (laughs) child like oh yeah i remember why i didn't like you i remember what happened day two now i remember so then I was like, we got to use this as a moment to push forward. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, okay, cool. Um, and I just started journaling and I was open to everything. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where everything opened up. And I just heard this voice one day I was journaling. It was like, gay, black, amen. And I was like, okay. And that's when I just 
start writing down like, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. What does the community need? Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like I stand on shoulders of so many great black gay men. And then there's, you know, so many ahead of us. So like, what what does that look like? And Mm -hmm. how do you make impact? And how do you better your community? Uh Mm. Come on. So when you look back on your career as a whole, what do you feel like has been your biggest contribution? And do you feel like you have received your flowers for all your accomplishments? Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest contribution, I think, is allowing young black people to see possibility. Mm-hmm. So to see possibility of becoming an editor-in-chief, to see the possibility of being an editor-at-large at Essence, and particularly queer people, black queer people, because I think they're... Um, we now are having more role models, mm-hmm. but we didn't have that many. I mean, I didn't have that many when I was growing up. Um, and so to hear, especially after I started Native Son is when I realized it, is that to have so many young black queer men watching television when I was editor in chief and doing all those behind the musics and mm-hmm. all that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And them being like, oh, my God, there's a black gay man on TV wearing a Yankees cap that is a queen and I, and is reading and is fierce and is competent. And I could be that is just powerful. It's just super duper powerful. And I never because at the time I was just trying to get through. I was like, I've never done this before. I'm mm-hmm. freaked out. I have to be on TV. I don't really want to be on TV. This was pre-social media and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, people, you know, I was like, I'm a journalist. I'm not a celebrity. And it was just all these things. But not knowing that the work that I was doing wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. And it was about inspiring all these other people in the world. And then just men and women. I'm, I'm shocked at how, many, how much impact my tenure at Vibe had on other people. It's, it's shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's um, my biggest thing is making opportunities for other black young people to see possibilities in themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've gotten your flowers? Um, I feel I do. I really do. And I think it's become really important for me to receive my flowers, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing. Like, you can kind of sit around and be like, no, um, you have to receive compliments. You have to receive, mm-hmm. you know, my grandmother, it was so funny. When I first became, like, editor-in-chief of Vibe, and I was not used to people recognizing me and coming mm-hmm. up to me. So we were at dinner at Ponderosa in Cincinnati, <laughs> and these couple or yeah they came over to the table and they're like oh you're the guy on tv and i wasn't very nice because i was like we're eating we're ponderosa Ah, 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 it's family dinner night i'm with my grandmother who's like you know like almost 90 at that point and i wasn't very gracious Mm -hmm. and my grandmother pulled me to the side and she was like don't you ever do that again if someone is taking the time to come and give you your grace you better receive it. You better acknowledge them. You look them in the eye and you thank them. Mm-hmm. And so now I like I, when people compliment me, I ask, what is your name? Where are you from? What's your story? Because you don't know how you're going to affect someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been very clear about that. And then, you know, I've been honored more times than I mean, it's just 
you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing. Like Mm -hmm. my vision coach, she always says like, if you die tomorrow, like you've done it, like you, you're good. And Mm -hmm. that was really powerful too. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've received so many amazing community based awards, awards for my journalism, um, the national magazine award, Mm -hmm. you know, Hampton has recognized me. I'm in the hall of fame. Like I'm, I'm good. I feel like I receive flowers every single day. Well, we have a gift for you. No, I'm just kidding. We don't. <laughs> I was about to cry. I was like, I'm about to cry. No, but we, you definitely, like, I feel like, I, one, thank you for coming on this podcast, but I feel like I would love to see you even honor like a BT award or something, or just something mm. like a lifetime achievement award mm. from a larger uh, black organization would mm. be really, really cool. But that's just what I, I would like to do. So maybe I could just like try to pitch that somewhere, but mm. you are just, I mean, I don't, I don't know for Savoy, but I remember seeing you as a kid and just being like, yo, look at this dude. I just like seeing like a black person creating black culture that Mm. moves black culture that shifts Mm. black culture Mm. like so many times we have um we have our culture but we have a lot of white people behind it and um it was just so powerful to see you doing that and so it did kind of help me be like oh yo like i can do this like um when vibe had a show i still love that fucking show <laughs> yeah yes, um, yes we can vibe with my shit yo like i love produced loved by it. me and mimi valdez yes <laughs> yes legends and so like i you know i am working in tv i'm a producer myself and so it was just really important Mm, for me so mm. i just want to thank you Mm. uh for what you have done for the culture for what you've done to black culture for black gay men but just i just love i just love you so thank you receive thank you thank you thank you (laughs) seriously I, i don't take it for granted as you shouldn't, but I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's dope. Yeah. It's super dope. Because I, like Amber said, I do remember like all the VH1 specials that you were a part yeah. of and being like, oh, that's who do, that's who do vibe. Like right. at he the does, time, the vibe. Then, yeah, like literally, like I was like, at that time I didn't want to be a publicist. Mm. So I knew, I knew what vibe was obviously mm-hmm. and have, if you go in like my, well, my dad threw them away because he, he hates me. But oh, no. <laughs> I have like so many vibe covers. Yeah. And so like to know that you were behind it and you mm-hmm. were you you were creating these covers was like huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even like as much as I love vibe, I think what you did at Giant mm-hmm. is like. See, that's and that's almost like the Lost Files because a lot of people. No, it's the shit. Like what you did to me. Mm at giant was mm. dope like mm. like thank i you. think thank you. that was iconic like vibe was iconic mm. but i think like the way you were able to like just shift that and make it even more grander but kind of like out of the mm. box right mm. right at giant was kind of like yeah thank you yeah. Ooh, y'all gonna make me cry <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not done i gotta do there's more work to do that yeah. i think that's the thing like i'm grateful that people give me flowers and 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 recognize the work i just feel like there's more work to be done and that's why i'm Mm -hmm. excited about this afropunk chapter because it's Mm -hmm. like a whole other thing and building a media platform from the ground up Mm -hmm. and it's scary sometimes and Mm -hmm. i'm like can you do it again and Mm -hmm. like it's a whole different culture and dealing millennials and how people consume culture 
Um, so it's applying the same things, but it's it's hard work, but it feels really good. Mm. 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 Come on. So with that being said, because we're still kind of like in this creative um, mode, um, what would you tell a young black creative? What would you tell, like, I guess me and Savoy are a little bit more established, but like a very young in their career, mm-hmm. like creative, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell young creatives to really dream big and like don't put limitations on your creativity. Mm. I think that one of the things I see happen a lot is that people lock themselves into a box that doesn't exist. And I think that, you know, when I even look at like an Ava DuVernay, she's a perfect example of when I was a giant magazine Ava was our publicist. She was a film unit publicist at the time. She had a firm. But I'm looking at her, and I'm just like, this woman has pushed past everybody. And to be a black woman and manage these humongous, big-budget films and still be doing Central Park Five and still Mm -hmm. be doing really important work... Mm -hmm. um, is incredible to me mm-hmm. and how many other black creatives she puts on mm. how she reps for black women for the black community for black culture for politics social justice like that to me is powerful so i think we have to remember that you want to have creativity but you also want it to have a purpose yeah. so don't put boxes on but just push like if you look at all the people that have inspired me over the years and historically are people that pushed and just had ideas that may not have sounded like they made any kind of sense when they said it originally, but look what happened. Mm. Mm. Love that. Um, I well, Okay. So I will ask one question. <laughs> um, so with, Savoy always says live in your truth that's all he says live in your truth because he calls me a size queen which I'm not and uh, don't let her lie to you it's okay right like just live I overstand (laughs) (laughs) yo so many hotels have said that to me anyway um, just got triggered Um, no but uh, yeah so what does it mean for you to live in your truth For me to live in my truth, um, it just means being honest about who I am. And so I also am in therapy. So my therapist. Shout out to therapy. Shout out to therapy. Seriously. Like, thank God for therapy. Um, But we talk about, my therapist talks and I talk about kind of the imperfection and the perfection. Mm -hmm. And I think that we forget about that a lot. Like, things don't have to be absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. And I'm a perfectionist. Like, I'm I'm the textbook version of a Virgo. Like, I will drive myself insane if something is wrong with something for things to be absolutely perfect, which is impossible. Um, And so sometimes it's hard. So... One thing is if I make a mistake to really own the mistake Mm -hmm. and be okay. And then what can I learn from the mistake? Um, It's really interesting managing a team. Miles is on the team, but a team of millennials Mm -hmm. because it's almost like relearning how to communicate in a way because (laughs) I'm like, sometimes they look at me, they're like, and I'm like, I'm 51. Like, don't make me feel like I'm 75. (laughs) Like seriously. But 
I've realized, and especially because Miles is a friend, Miles E. Johnson Mm -hmm. is a friend, but he's also someone I mentor. Mm -hmm. So he'll be like, you have to understand what it feels like when you get a phone call in the morning from Emil Wilbekin, like, and they're criticizing your work. And even if it's constructive criticism, it's like Emil Wilbekin just called me and like wrecked my whole world. And so then it's like, okay. And I actually had an uh, experience this week where... I was doing a pro- a creative project with one of the elders and they read me because I made a mistake Ooh. and it was an egregious mistake. Like it was a just careless, like I was shocked, but I was too busy working on the awards and mm-hmm. it just fell through the cracks. And it was such a powerful moment for me because I was like wounded and my friends were like, okay, you don't have space to be wounded right now. Like you still have to listen. come on you don't have space you don't have space to be wounded right now and so in that i was like okay i have to learn there's lessons in this for me and so then i was talking to miles and i said i'm so sorry because i completely understand what you're saying now because it just happened to me Mm. and it was a gag (laughs) and then friday morning i had my staff meeting and I told them the story mm-hmm. and I said, I want to apologize that sometimes, you know, I'm reading or I'm too fierce and this and this and that. And I want all of us mm-hmm. to really check ourselves on how we communicate with each other because a lot of it's digital and tech and text and Slack mm-hmm. and not human mm-hmm. contact and just how we communicate. So it's just learning lessons in mm-hmm. all the lessons. Hmm. Word. You're good because I would have been like... <laughs> I would have been like, that's not my problem that you feel, you know, a way that I'm reading you. But I'm also. <laughs> She's I'm, also Leo. So you just got to. learning. <laughs> come, come, come on. You know what that is? Grow. Right. Okay. Ah, ah, ah. And I'm a super sensitive Virgo. But it's just, I think it's where I am also spiritually in my life. Yeah. Like, I recently. um I was raised Lutheran, but I recently became a Christian and joined First Corinthian Baptist Church and Mm -hmm. was baptized. And so it's this like walking the walk thing. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's just this like, yeah, wanting to really treat everybody and be human and not be. Everybody wants me to be Miranda Priestly. And I'm like, I'm over that phase. Like, that's just not. Yeah, I'm not trying to be that. I'm just like, if you feel away because i'm criticizing you (laughs) that's not my problem you should look within um but again (laughs) i'm learning Um, no but you're living in your truth (laughs) you're living in your truth yes come on but that's it but that's and that's the thing so where i am on my journey because i'm older is i want to have real communication with them like i want it's the relationships to me so it's like it's also then helping me work out my other stuff in Mm -hmm. other aspects Mm -hmm. of my life Mm -hmm. so it's like i apply everything to everything cool Mm. what um so you said you recently became a christian and got baptized like what kind of um made you go in that direction so I went to First Corinthian Baptist Church like maybe eight or nine years ago for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like I had gone. Same. With, yeah, right? <laughs> Same. And I would go, like I would, you know, I was just church hop. Like I go to Riverside, I go to St. John the Divine, I go to Emmanuel. Like I would just try different churches. And so my mother was in town with my aunt who lived in Harlem and they were like, let's go to First Corinthian. We heard it's really great. So I was like, okay, I know a lot of people to go there, whatever. I walk in, I was like, what? 
Because it's like, oh, y'all opening with praise dancing like that? That's giving me like Thelma from Good Times and like Alvin Ailey beats. Oh, and damn. then like the congregation was just, you know, intersectional and a lot of LGBTQ. And like, then you saw like, oh, there's gay couples that I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's like a bus driver and his family. Oh, there's all these black women together with all these little kids. It was just all these pockets of our our community in one space worshiping together. And there's no rules. People have ripped up jeans. People are dressed to the nines. People are in African, like whatever you come as you are. And then Pastor Mike's word and the fact that he was preaching in jeans and just was like real and kind of spits like a rapper, but like gives you real talk. I just, I was here for the whole experience. Mm-hmm. So I was, I started to go like, then I was like, I'll go once a month. The next thing I know, I was like, I'm going every Sunday. And that's, I'm bringing dates to church. And then I'm like recruiting people. And then they're like, you keep bringing all these people. And I knew I wanted to join, but I didn't want it to be a thing. So finally, I just was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And it was New Year's watch night service like three years ago, maybe mm-hmm. three or four years ago. And the theme that year was I am the dark, I am the dawn. Mm-hmm. And that you have to be okay with the darkness. And I was like, okay, Pastor Mike. And I remember I had it, my boyfriend was with me at the time. And I remember I literally threw my coat. I was like, watch my stuff. And I ran downstairs and joined. And like 28 people joined that night. Wow. Um, and then since then, I just got more engaged in the church. And then kind of got this real calling to like serve. And actually, Pastor Mike came to me and was like, I need your help. Like, I need you to be engaged and do stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I work on the journey under um, Ricky Day as the producer and um, other things, whatever Pastor Mike asked me to. Mm -hmm. But I really feel at home and like that's my family and that's the place where I feel safe. Um, And so then for my 50th birthday, I was like, I want to get baptized at FCBC. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did it. And it was so powerful because... I remember in the class they gave with the deacons ahead of it, they were like, just because you're being baptized and saved does not mean you're better than other people. Mm. And so a lot of people come in, they're like, oh, I'm saved. Like, <laughs> and it's like, and they're like, no, actually your journey's going to be harder now because you chose this path. And I was like, what are they talking about? Like, oh, I'm good. Like, I'm getting back. I was like, oh, now I get it. Mm. Like, almost two years later, I'm like, I get it. Because you're kind of more open to different things Mm -hmm. and just, yeah, it's a lot. But it's been really, really good. So that's what kind of made me do that. And I love my church. And I've never loved a church. Mm -hmm. I never loved the word. Like, I'll actually call Pastor Mike for advice. Like, Mm. it's like to have a pastor that I really feel is a leader um, and it's someone that I can obviously learn from and to have a community of spiritual people that support me is powerful. Mm. So I think sometimes when I speak to my peers, mm-hmm. um, there's this overall, there's this feeling of or feeling of division or strife amongst the older black gay community mm-hmm. and the younger black gay yeah. community. What are you what is your opinion on this and what are some of the ways that you think we can heal this division or improve mm-hmm. relations, so to speak? Because I think especially coming from an entertainment background Mm -hmm. i think when i have kind of dealt with older black gay men i haven't necessarily always felt like they wanted the best for me Mm. in particular i feel like one in particular did not want 
didn't like me because I didn't kiss his ass, so to speak. Mm, mm. Like, I was respectful, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, I wasn't like, I don't know, I, mm-hmm. I don't think I was wrong, but I think I was more like, I want to learn, but I'm not necessarily going to praise you, so right. to speak, either. <laughs> so, I agree with you. I think that there, I mean, I think there's some division. I think what's interesting, especially with like millennials, is that millennials give so much reverence to the elders mm-hmm. and the ancestors in a way that I think other generations haven't. Mm-hmm. So to me, they're, from my perspective, like all the millennials live for me because they're like, oh my God, you're like a millennial spirit. It's You're a millennial in spirit. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yes, like I do feel like that. But I'm also super open in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recently had some situations with a couple of the elders where I feel shaded and I'm like, well, why are you shading me? Mm-hmm. And why do you like... I'm not doing it the way that you did it, and I respect and understand your struggle. Native Son specifically is intergenerational for a reason. I think there's a lot that the younger generations can teach the older folks. I think there's a lot that the elders can teach the younger generations. So that's why when we do panels and we do the awards, it's always intergenerational Mm -hmm. because it's just super duper important to have that dialogue. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that there's a part of our black gay community that especially the older folks they saw a lot mm. so a lot of them went through hiv and aids like the aids epidemic was just you know we yeah. lost a whole generation of creatives mm. that you all will never even know existed and the barriers that they broke and a lot of people that survived that it's been really hard on them mm. because some of them don't have friends anymore and then you got to remember like especially like in a lot of our black communities, they went through the crack ec- epidemic. Like they've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. So they have this kind of grand regal old school, like they deserve to be treated a certain way. Mm-hmm. And they kind of want to sun people and stuff like that. Um, and it's kind of patriarchal. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, and I struggle a little bit with it um, because I think, you know, you think about going through the DL culture. It's just been a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's this very masculine perception that the elders have that the younger generations don't see mm-hmm. at all. Like, we're we're gender fluid. We're open. We're this <laughs> and that. So then it's like, we have to bridge that gap, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And kind of share those stories to have these conversations. But that breaks my heart to feel like someone will shade you like that like that's yeah. just mm-hmm. not cool not, but yeah. I think it. yeah I mean I think all the time I think more than anything the until probably about 2013 mm-hmm. I don't think I had like a, a gay black gay mentor mm-hmm. so a soul has been that for me oh good like good. That's yeah. my that's my everything. Like Aww. I love him. Um, Africa, like, I need to call him. Yeah, he, was, <laughs> he was just here. Okay. Yeah, yeah I need to call him because we we were supposed to see each other a few weeks ago. But yeah, yeah. so Iso kind of became that. He was our first guest on the podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. So wow. so yeah, he became that for me. Like nice. very much like the older brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like talking to me about different things. Um, including <laughs> love. Um, but we need that. Right. Yeah. We need because I didn't have that so it's it's changed over years but it has been some earlier experiences where i was like yeah you don't really give a fuck about me and i haven't really done anything right it's not it wasn't friendly Mm -hmm. right i i mean i 
I can't like speak on like black gay community, but I will say that for me, older black people are just mean in general. <laughs> I'm serious. And it's because like the you struggle. said, the struggle. Yeah. And then they see our black asses like right. maybe complaining about something. And it was like, bitch, do you understand what we went through? Yeah. Like, yeah. so I, what I have taken, uh, if I meet a, old black woman who's like mean to me and shades me or whatever which is a lot of them sometimes um <laughs> but i i too will be an old black woman that will shade you probably so i don't know Very uh yeah so i i feel as though um i'm giving them a lot more grace because yeah. i'm just like oh this isn't about me really right. like right. it also might be a little bit of jealousy because can you think about it like as a, mm-hmm. a black gay man and you like y'all i remember michael arsenault said something like you guys are like the first generation to kind of like be free be free yes you know and so like to see that and be like i couldn't do that you know even with like women like you know it's like oh you speaking your mind you saying this we couldn't do that or mm-hmm. you know we did this and there were consequences for those yeah, things so yeah. i just like i I just be like, okay, you you bitter, but I still love you. I respect what you, just respect you in general. But yeah, yeah. I feel that it yeah. sucks. But yeah, I think we have to right now specifically have more intergenerational conversations because mm-hmm. I think there's so much that the elders have gone through mm-hmm. that is really important to translate to the younger generation, mm-hmm. especially like you think about like everything happening right now has happened two other times before yes. like yes. <laughs> at least yeah. right so it's like it's so funny like seeing like trump and all this other craziness and i'm like well this reminds me of like when reagan and bush were in office mm-hmm. and like you know when the economy was jacked and there were wars all over and mm-hmm. all this horrible stuff was happening and you know hiv and aids and crack and all this and like it's all this stuff and so now we have it happening again and think about if you live through the civil rights movement so it's a lot yeah. yeah and you think about social injustice and attacks on black bodies and mm-hmm. black queer but i mean it's it's a lot so i think there's a lot of learning that could happen and yeah. then it's like you guys are native to digital so it's like you know everything and can research and all this stuff and a lot of elders are like huh what i can't use my phone what's facebook what huh how do you dm i'm like oh kind show <laughs> get it together it's not that hard but if your brain wasn't processed that way right. it's hard so it's a lot a lot of yeah, learning could happen a lot of learning okay so last question for prey when you were diagnosed as hiv positive what was your biggest concern or fear and how have you combated that fear over the last, it's what, been 17 years now? Yeah, 17 years. My biggest fear is that I was not going to be alive. So <laughs> that part, I am still here. Um, you know, I, I was really sheltered. I did not really lose anyone. I that from HIV or AIDS when everything was happening. Mm-hmm. I saw people I, that would die or friends that mm-hmm. died. I used to work at Metropolitan Home and we did a lot of work around HIV and AIDS awareness and activism. So I had heard stories. And obviously, and you read the papers and you see the news. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I became HIV positive, I think my biggest fear was like, what does this look like? Like, what does this look like? And why did I do this to myself? And why didn't I take care of myself? And like, how am I, you know, 
I, I never thought that there would be a time where I would be so public about it and that I would appear on a magazine cover as being HIV positive mm-hmm. and celebrating that. Um, so I guess I overcame my fear. I really overcame my fears about HIV and AIDS. Well, I'm not AIDS, but HIV about um, being honest about it and mm-hmm. coming out about it and speaking publicly about it. Um, it that was probably my biggest fear because it's like from dating to mm-hmm. am I going to get insurance? Like, mm-hmm. you know, just stuff like that. Like, oh, I started my own business. So. Like, can I afford my health care? But I have to because I have to be on meds and I have to have my blood work done twice a year. And that's mad expensive. Mm-hmm. And the medication. And then it's like, even though I was unemployed, I was still making too much to get, you know, public yeah. services and state mm-hmm. services. So it was like crazy. I was like, this is it was scary. Mm-hmm. It was really scary. And I took a long time to go on meds because that was my doctor's kind of thought like he was like we don't put you on till it's like you absolutely need to go on mm-hmm. and so when it came to the time where they're like okay you need to go on i was just like oh i gotta take medicine medicine every single day mm-hmm. for the rest of my life and that was scary mm-hmm. but i pushed past how did you um get through that like was it because I remember you said you had a friend that kind of helped you yeah. come out? Yeah. Was it was it that person or? So I actually had I had one friend that when so I got really sick and then like I was just just like oh this must be stomach flu or there was some virus that oh, was swine flu was going around right. and I was like oh my god I have swine flu and then I was like okay this is really long <laughs> this is not clearing up I'm getting mad skinny what's going on mm-hmm. slash I wasn't mad about the skinny part <laughs> and then we never are never <laughs> so so then I was like okay and then a friend was like who was positive was like I think you need to go get tested and I did not go I was like no I'm good and a, almost a year to the date because your body has kind of this memory right mm-hmm. I got sick a year to the date again and he was like so we're going to go get tested it's not a question and he went with me and um you know I was lucky that I had a bunch of friends who had been diagnosed before me and so they kind of really guided me through and like would tell me about the issues around medication and how you deal with different reactions to your body. And obviously it affects people differently. So they were all really good. And I've tried to be that person now um, in supporting people. It kind of still messes with my head that so many young people tell me who are like millennials that they're positive is kind of scary because I'm like, that doesn't shouldn't have to be. Um but yes, a lot. So that's how I pushed past was just, and then I, I had a boyfriend who I feel like was terrified that I was positive mm-hmm. and it made me feel so ashamed. And I remember when we broke up, I was like, I am definitely going to become an HIV spokesperson mm-hmm. and put it out there. Cause also I was tired of going on these dates and being like, okay, I really like this dude, but now I got to have this conversation. And then some, you know, most of the time people are like, Oh, I'm out. And then they're like, I can't deal with that. Or they'd be like, Oh, I am too perfect. Like, and that was cool, mm-hmm. but it was just like a thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like, I want to eliminate part of the thing, which mm-hmm. is like, okay, guess what? I'm on magazine covers and in S talking about I'm HIV positive so it mm. released me from a lot of the shame that I carry mm, I like that 
Oh, all right. I know. I came. Well, prepared. You, I came, you came to prepared. Get, I, I came to bless. I have, a, I have, I have one. Yes. I do have a question because I was interested in this. Yes. Um, so I know this is, we're still in the pray uh, section, yes. but um, so you were also adopted as yes. well. Yeah. And um, I want to know, like, have you ever been in contact with your biological family at all? Nope. I literally just had this conversation like two hours ago. So I have not. Um, so I was born in 1967 Mm -hmm. so back then you and i think still you can lock the files um so that you yeah because you don't want the parents it's just to protect the birth parents yeah Mm -hmm. and so i mean it nowadays i'm sure like in a day i could get it unlocked Mm -hmm. um obviously because i'm so old too um so my goal is that i want to go find them Mm -hmm. um i actually I'm working on a memoir that will encompass that journey of going to find my birth parents. I have no idea what I'm going to find. I actually was going to do it with my mom before she passed away, but Mm -hmm. her health didn't allow that to happen. So I did some video with her before she passed, which was really cool. Um, So it's going to be, so then I'll layer in my whole memoir life story into that journey Mm -hmm. um, because as comfortable and cool as I am with myself, I always feel like there's a small piece of me that I just don't know anything about. I've never Mm -hmm. seen the woman that gave birth to me. I've never met my dad. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's just this like weird whole thing. And I think now that both of my parents are deceased, it feels more urgent, even if they've already passed away. It Mm -hmm. just feels this orphan feeling, which is normal when both your parents are Mm -hmm. passed away, if you're adopted or not. So I just think it's like an important part Mm -hmm. of my journey. And I think it will open me up to a lot of things. And I, again, I don't know who they are, where they are. I have bits and pieces of information, but I don't know what I'm going to find either. And then somebody, one of my friends, like, you got to have those real good friends Mm -hmm. that they say stuff. And you're like, I hate you, but you're spot on. And I'm going to thank you one day for saying this. That's majority of my friends. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. The real friends. The real ones. Mm -hmm. And I remember they said, well, what if they have children they didn't give away for adoption? Mm. I was like, I want to punch you in the face right now for that. Because it's good. Like, what if I go and they're like, oh, well, we didn't give all these kids away. I mean, like, why why me? Yeah. Mm. Um, But yeah, like, I just I just want to know who they are, if they're alive or not. Mm -hmm. It just feels like this, like, missing link in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I think it will be good. I, I feel like. I feel like the, I feel like the part that you're encompassing your memoir and you're also um, doing this kind of journey and kind of sharing it with the world too, mm-hmm. which is nice because I think even hearing about um, just hearing about how you were feeling uh, uh, as an adopted person, yes, I feel like that's something a lot of people can relate to, mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily hear a lot i think with like a show like this is us maybe we kind of like have been hearing about it yeah Yeah. um but i yeah i don't think we hear that enough and it's it's not from black people yeah you don't yeah you don't hear the narratives but it's so weird especially because the generation i'm from 
there were a lot of adoptions at that time. And a lot of people couldn't have kids and they adopted. And it's interesting. Like even now I talk to friends that are thinking about adopting or can't have kids Mm -hmm. and they have all these questions because they just want to know kind of like, how do you deal with it? And my parents were super, my adopted parents who are my parents Mm -hmm. were just super dope about it because they told me when I was real young. Oh, good. So it just was always part of my story. So it never was like, like you're 25 and you're like oh by the way mm-hmm. you know well that's good yeah, yeah cause I think that's appreciate weird. them for that yeah amen <laughs> right listen cause you could have had the whole other story like wait really huh <laughs> you should no you're lying right you joking yeah. <laughs> alright so we gonna go into that um ew. 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 come on let's go in <laughs> let's go um you celebrated your 50th birthday last year how has dating changed for you since your 20s? Like, what do you value now, partner, partner, that you didn't value in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s? Like, what do you, how has it changed over the years? Um, it's so funny. So, guys are always like, what's your type? Hmm. And I always say character. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm attracted to an amazing character. So, and it's funny, if you look through guys that I've dated, significantly dated, Mm -hmm. there's not like, I only like dark-skinned guys, I only like butch queens, like it's none of that (laughs) stuff. It's like, runs the gamut. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit more discerning now. So, I'm trying to be in a space where because i i fall in love like a leaf falling off a tree like it's kind of not healthy same <laughs> right like you know what it same. is it's not healthy Ooh, child. yeah yeah and so but i'm in this space of also being very open and vulnerable mm-hmm. and kind of showing that which i think um that I wouldn't have done in my 20s or 30s or 40s. And I think I'm now like, okay, obviously this wasn't working all the ways I've tried. So now I'm open to trying different things. Mm. And so in a situation I'm in right now, it's very much, hey, let's see how this goes. Let's get to know each other. We're not having sex for 90 days, which mm. is... Woo! <laughs> it's cool if you ain't really sexually attracted to the person, yeah. but when you feel all that chemistry and electricity, mm. it's like, yeah. Ooh. But it's kind of amazing because I'm like, it's. I think it's going to make it almost sacred in a way because mm. if I can make it through this 90 days and I'm on about... I was going to say, what day you on? Let's see. Three, seven, so it's like, like 78 Ooh. more days or something. 78 more? Yeah. I'm like on, t- like, yeah. And like <laughs> today, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, thought I, literally- about, I thought you were about to say you was on day 78. Me so too. we, we were like, like, oh, you almost. <laughs> no, it's a long road to freedom. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah and it's so funny because this morning i was like okay and he was like no we're gonna do that and i was like are you sh- i don't know if i literally i don't know if i could do it but it's also nice to feel that you know what i mean yeah and kind of i think about then going back to my whole christian thing mm-hmm. it's like fasting right 
Yeah. So it's kind of like, <laughs> like yeah. yeah. That sound right. Listen, I, I had to that. try something different. Okay. Uh, uh, don't, uh, 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 don't judge uh, me. Uh, Listen, it ain't easy. Amber, Amber was like, I ain't doing that shit, right. but that, that, I, fasting sound fasting cute for you. Right. right. Fasting on the side. I sex. didn't mean I didn't mean to. I was like, if you're right, it does sound like fasting. <laughs> it does sound and it feels like fasting. Yeah. But there's yeah i'm in a place of like vulnerability and transparency mm-hmm. and kind of it's been really interesting like doing love language quizzes like mm-hmm. oh this is what's important to you this was important to me and also being like this is a process mm-hmm. of getting to know someone mm-hmm. and kind of just you know yana van zandt always talks about it's like relationships are a reflection of yourself mm-hmm. which is like a really like hard thing because then you're like things that get on your nerves you're like ooh is that him or is that me mm. Mm. stuff like that mm-hmm. um, so I would say patience get to know the person um, and be open like don't be afraid of your imperfections because I think that's the thing too is like we're hiding stuff and then it's like it's just it takes one minute to just one moment to just break the whole thing mm-hmm. because I ain't tell you this part or mm-hmm. like I don't like this but I didn't say anything mm-hmm. and I just held on to it it's a lot mm-hmm. yeah what well, can I okay so I have a couple questions okay um what's your love language so my love language is um was it of affirmations words, yeah, of, words, words of, affirmations. of affirmations okay so you do receive your flowers you like you like receiving I like flowers. receiving flowers <laughs> um physical touch so the fasting is hard mm. um and acts of service mm. I love yeah. that so I have two of yours yeah Same. physical touch is low on me on my, I think physical really. touch might be my last okay. yeah, I think it's my second to last yeah Mine, mine is so funny. I'm like, I need gifts. I need words of affirmation. I need you to do stuff for me. And I don't have to spend time with you or touch you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? No, my other one wasn't qual- um, acts of service. It was quality time. Yes. The okay, quality that's time. My, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. So I'm like, we can just lay up in the bed and talk and touch and... Yeah, affirm. Affirm each other. <laughs> affirm. I love that. Yeah, and just have quality time, mm-hmm. and I'm good. Because I go out so much for work and stuff, it's like I don't need a date to be like this full-on thing. I'm like, I'm good with like, let's order in and watch TV. Like, we were watching Boomerang on the couch, eating Mexican food. I was good. Yeah. I love that. And y'all can eat Mexican food because y'all ain't fucking. That part. Ah, 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 ah. We can eat because we're not fucking. Fucking right. Okay. <laughs> Real talk, because we in the thought part, right? Okay. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> I can eat Mexican. I'm That's- telling you, <laughs> as a pure for her uh, <laughs> spokesperson. Spokesperson. <laughs> yeah. Eat your food. <laughs> yeah. Anywho. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm, no. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. now, when you're taking it up the butt, um, <laughs> what, what? You gotta know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah but. Ah, 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 Come on, um, <laughs> what piece of advice would you give to black gay man or black queer man um, about dating and who are in their forties and older? Huh? <clears throat> what would I? I mean, I think it's just be open. Like, 
I think have fun. It's very interesting to me how many, and this is shocking, how many millennials push up on me. And I'm like, do you, wait a second. I'm, and so this is my question. How old are your parents? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, they're like in their mid 40s. I was like, well, I'm 51 and I don't know what this looks like for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Because I know if I had a child and they were bringing some 52-year-old black gay legendary man up in the house. Man, I was going to say, but it's still a mill wheel. I would have questions, though. I'd be like, I, I think my mom would still, she would not give a fuck. She'd be like, yes. I, only want, I only read one motherfucking issue of Vibe. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, mama, but Essence, nah, fuck that. Who, who, mm-mm, mm-mm. But I, yeah, but just be open and have fun. Like, mm-hmm. and so that's my point. Like, going on dates with millennials or whatever, like, it still feels a little creepy to me. But, um, um, yeah, just be open and have fun. Like, mm-hmm. I think we get so boxed in again on sliding up in DMs and on websites and on Jacked and, you know, Grinder and all that. It's not, it's like this weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, a big advocate of dating. I think going out on dates is like amazing. Like I went on dates in South Africa and I was like living because it was like a whole different cultural experience. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they're very excited about black gay men in South Africa. So everybody go over there. Okay. And they're hot and smart. Well, look. And Ooh. built. <laughs> Would you say sex has gotten better? Like as you've gotten older? Hmm. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, That's what we do over here at Eat Yeah, Time. this is a good one. I'm glad I didn't really study everything. Um, so I think sex has gotten better because I'm more clear about who I am and yeah. what I like, and I'm cool with what I like, and I'm cool with what I don't like. Yeah. Um, and just better able to express that. Yeah. Um. So like I'm verse and I own that I'm verse, mm-hmm. but then it's like people are like, "Are you really verse or are you a bottom?" And I'm like, mm, "I'm really verse. Mm-hmm. Like I really like both, mm-hmm. and it depends on the partner and the chemistry in the moment mm-hmm. of what I prefer." And I think when I was younger, it, I wouldn't. I would just kind of follow what the dude wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I definitely think I was a little bit more experimental and open and whatever when I was younger, and probably pre HIV was more open. I think I'm also, I think that kind of messed me up sexually a little bit mm-hmm. because, you know, never wanting to hurt someone, never wanting to jeopardize their health. Um, it kind of freaked me out mm-hmm. a little bit. So I think I had to kind of shift like, okay, but now, yeah, I feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that millennials are a little bit more uh, open to, um, to having sex with someone who has HIV? I definitely, yeah, I feel like the conversations with millennials are is the easier conversation mm-hmm. because they're just, again, more knowledgeable and aware. And so they're like, yeah, I did my research. Like, it's not like I'm on prep or, you know, I'll get on prep. Like, there, it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a conversation. I think where it gets murky is like the late 30s through 40s mm-hmm. that those guys are kind of freaked out about it mm-hmm. because they you know and some are i don't want to do sweep, yeah. sweeping yeah. generalizations yeah, yeah. but that generation seems still a little like mm, i don't know if i can do that and i'm like well okay so if we look at the stats almost half of us are hiv positive so mm. you need to work that out right mm. yeah because you can still yeah i because i was thinking about this i was like i don't 
I, I guess I haven't, I, well, I know that I don't have any issue. Like if someone were like, I have HIV, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like there are mm-hmm. things that we can do. Like it's not a, yeah, it's not that big of a stigma anymore. Right. No, it's not. And especially like if you're undetectable, mm-hmm. people just have to be knowledgeable and should be. But this is my issue with the black gay community specifically is I don't know how really knowledgeable we are because we still have the highest numbers mm-hmm. of infections. So, yes. And I think even, and I'll say this, I think even now with PrEP, yeah, like, I think somewhere that kind of, like, we think that PrEP is, like, the the, yeah. the answer. So right. it's like... <laughs> you can still all, get, yeah. Yeah, like, all the raw sex. Um, And it's like... Yeah. Not, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to, you know... Yeah, but raw. you can still get venereal diseases yeah. and STDs yeah. and yeah. people mm-hmm. don't think that. Yeah. So I also think there's something interesting with the younger generation because a lot of them have grown up on porn, right? Mm. Because of digital access. And I think that's kind of interesting and weird because it's like, it's not like that all the time. Mm. And I think that there's, if that's all you kind of know as a visual, Mm -hmm. then you kind of adopt that narrative. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's like, they're high and (laughs) like, it's a movie and it's edited. So that's cute. But there's also seems to be more f- sexual freedom yeah. with the younger generations. Yeah. So I'm meandering. No, no, look. <laughs> no, you're not. I, no, not at all. Because I just thought about that myself. I was like, I was saying a lot of porn. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is low key a read on Savoy, but I didn't <laughs> want to say it. <laughs> like, I have seen a lot of porn. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of us have. A lot of us have. And OnlyFans has only made this better. Um, okay. Well, speaking. And, tw- and Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, right. well, speaking of... Twitter this is, is crazy. Twitter is crazy. This isn't necessarily porn, but uh, I was looking on your IMDb, and uh, you were on a docu-series called Sex TV, and you were discussing homo thugs. Oh, gosh. I, okay. I, I, <laughs> you I, really I, did get into crazy. Y'all I do, do your research. I, I love it. Yes, I do. Oh, we professionals. <laughs> we I professional. see that. <laughs> I'm impressed. Um, so, do you have any good homo thug tales you can tell us? <laughs> As I rolled up in my Dems today. <laughs> um, <laughs> come on. Yeah, that part. <laughs> um, Any good homo thug I don't know. I mean, I think it's so interesting kind of growing up in that like mid 90s hip hop era Mm -hmm. where that was a real thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like you couldn't tell who was gay or who was a rap star. It was like, I don't know, because everybody's giving me the same energy. Um, (laughs) That was a real era. Um, Yeah. And again, it was super hyper masculine Mm -hmm. and um yeah, sexy. Mm. Like, really sexy. But I saw the other side of, like, DL culture and kind of, you know, HIV and AIDS among black women and those numbers and people not living their truth and kind mm-hmm. of being in the closet and mm-hmm. the negative effects of that mm-hmm. on everybody, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was definitely an era. But I don't know if I have a good DL story for you. So a homo thug would be DL, you would say? I well, I I associate it with that. Okay. Um, but homo thug also was just a very hyper masculine yeah. presenting, mm-hmm. um, kind of hood, fabulous. I mean, I this is why I love Omar, Harlem. Omar from <laughs> The Wire. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. 
hundred percent. And also, it's just like, yeah, like when I'm in Harlem, like I still see that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You mm-hmm. still see that homo thug kind of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really cool though, because I think in the black community there is this intersection of black gay men and black straight men that are cool on just like a masculine male thing Mm -hmm. that is that kind of world. Do you feel like, like at that time, I guess, do you feel like it was more hard to be like feminine or not as masculine during like the, that era, so to speak? Well, when I think historically of kind of the black community, there's always been queer presence. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, yeah, there was always going to be the trans woman in the neighborhood just beat your ass if you tried it mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of gay shout out to her shout out to mm-hmm. her <laughs> exactly and there were always a, a lot queen. of very <laughs> like masculine lesbian couples with kids that again like don't mess with them mm-hmm. I, th- I think we've always had a presence i think that it you know there was vi- there there has been times when there's been violence but i wonder how much of that violence actually happens within our own communities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's outside of the communities that it happens um especially to trans women of color Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think it's it was a weird time like i think because you also have to realize that that's when people were clubbing a lot and doing drugs so there was a lot of mixture Mm -hmm. but white media kind of painted this picture that it wasn't like that like it was not that we are not accepted that we are this and that so it's it's a it's a mixed bag but i think we're, we're doing better now mm-hmm. but i still know that there's a lot of um black queer people that cannot be out in their communities mm-hmm. and i think sometimes we get caught up in the privilege especially living in like a new york city mm-hmm. that we can move within those worlds and be okay mm-hmm. um But back then, was it easier to be feminine? I don't know. Because I look at some of the outfits and stuff that I was doing, and I was like, well, okay, clearly (laughs) it was okay with all those silky Dolce shirts and stuff and cutouts and so forth. Um, But but I'm dying off these silky Dolce. (laughs) Listen. You wear the silk. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, super tight. Like, I was like, what was I doing? When I see old pictures, there's a picture of me, Mary, and Beyonce, like pre Beyonce being King B. And Mary, and I don't know what outfit I have on, but it's crazy. And I'm just like, obviously, it was okay. But I mean, you know, there's always, I think, in our communities, there's again, and the gay boys that'll fight, like, that aren't scared. Uh, look at that. Look at that outfit. <laughs> no, look at this outfit. Oh my God. Y'all, I'm going to post this, uh, ah, like, ah. when the episode comes out, too. But this is great. Um, Savoy, I don't know if you can see it, but it, get into what is that outfit? You know what? What is Ooh, that yes, outfit? Come on. And yes, that With is a white belt. Yeah. White belt. <laughs> so, y'all, the shirt and you'll see it when she posts the picture it's like this costume national shirt with this like crisscross lattice work thing down the front <laughs> like I don't know what but I'm giving it to you you are but giving I don't it know. and you look so tan like where where'd you go that was in the summer okay <laughs> that was like in July I don't know because I, I was perpetually tan when I was 
yeah. editor in chief of Wild. But that was also a time when everyone was really tan too. Because mm-hmm. even Look at like Mary's Mary, super tan, yeah, and everyone was just like bronzed up. Like I remember mm-hmm. always having like, like some like sort of video bronzer. life. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Oily, Oily, right? Greased Oily up. and tan, greased up and tan. It's sexy. Obviously, cutouts <laughs> and white belts with a black outfit. Ciao. <laughs> Love this. <laughs> so, speaking of that, you created the sex issue of Vi with Little Kim, mm-hmm. the Bad Bitch Hall of Fame superstar. Superstar. Yes. Um, in 2000. What was your thought process about creating that issue then? Like, So that was so interesting because I was like, it's summer. We have to have a sexy issue. Um, and I just wanted to push the buttons mm-hmm. um, and just push conversation. Um, I feel like sometimes in a black community, we don't, we're not sexually liberated mm-hmm. and we're sexual beings. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that causes a lot of trauma and, and confusion. Absolutely. And so, especially in hip hop, especially with someone like little Kim, who was really forward leaning and kind of sexual, like almost like a feminist, like in her owning her body, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the lyrics and being like a commanding woman. Like she wasn't like, I'm a victim. It's like, no, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it was really important, I think, to have those conversations, Mm -hmm. um, and, and what she was doing was revolutionary. Um, so the thought process was, it was definitely challenging at the time at Vibe because they were like, you're doing too much. Um, <laughs> but I was like, this is what it is. Yeah. Um, and so if we're moving cultures, sometimes you have to push boundaries and push really hard yeah. and to have conversations that are uncomfortable. And I knew that that was going to be an uncomfortable conversation, but an important conversation. And there was definitely photos that did not run <laughs> that I was like now I'm like oof you were doing a lot well can you describe them would you be able to there's one and it's it's surface sense but there's this one where she's in those those shoes the giant tall shoes yes so what is- you don't see is this all of a sudden on set I was like wait where did he come from this dope black dude comes out with like the crazy body and like is butt naked and is crawling up climbing up the ladder with mm-hmm. his ass to the camera and i'm like we can't run like we're never going to be able i think to... i have seen that one yeah it's it's surface yeah. and i'm like we can't run i think we had an edited version but there's one where like his asshole was like at your face and i'm that was a beautiful body it was be- his beautiful body Ooh, child you got to see all that on set. all of that mm. but there was just other and then it was a lot like you know her is like the blow-up doll and like mm-hmm. it was a lot it's a lot but iconic okay okay legendary and iconic yes um oddest place you've had sex hottest place i've had sex oddest but oddest and hottest okay you can do both i'm gonna just fold it into one in the ocean Ooh. do you know can you tell us what ocean oh see you Ah. know the <laughs> you me in trouble at a good old Reese Beach. Oops. Um, back in the day. Okay. Um, but yeah, very sexy. Mm. All right, come on. Last in question. the daytime. Mm. Okay. Ooh, in the daytime. I love that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that just reminded me of the time I went to Fire Island. Ooh, child. And you mm. saw somebody have sex in the daytime? I saw there? people. I saw two men. In the meat rack. What's the little is it is that what it's called yeah. that that walk from one yeah. beach to the other? Mm. 
I saw yeah. two men like literally mm. go under like literally I was like what mm-hmm. the fuck they doing white guys of course yeah. um <laughs> well you know, yeah, well, I'm sure yeah I'm sure there was some mm-hmm. but there wasn't too many black <laughs> black folks right. that we got doing that yeah. right yeah but the way he like crawled into the bushes mm. and like he walked past <laughs> us like like seatedly and like literally crawl under the bushes and I was like and then I looked and, and I see a, and he yes full he was show. walking towards two men one was sucking mm-hmm. the other one off Ooh, oh damn it was a threesome yeah that's lit outside yeah. that's lit yeah, that's free yes. that's sexual liberation right yes and then we got followed by a deer for like a half a mile seeing in that. that part yeah with the ticks and stuff that ain't Ooh. cute cause he was just walking behind us like yeah. chilling and I was like y'all we gonna die when you brought up the threesome um, and the white dude in the bushes, it reminded me of that um, that gif of Kim Kardashian and she's in the bushes and she's like, she's like looking like, oh, I'm trying to see where you like that. I, w- I did look like cause mm-hmm. I was like, what? Where is he going? You're like, what's going on? And what's happening? Yeah, what's happening? And then voyeurism is cute. Yeah. It is. I pers- That's why I love OnlyFans porn and so as Twitter mm-hmm. porn because I'm just like I'm seeing regular ass people. It's not. Right. It's not literally like the buffed up, super right. done, yeah, it's like real. Yeah, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. one of my favorites, Freako Rico. I'm like he just a regular old thick boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, last one. One sexual desire you haven't fulfilled yet. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't read that one. Oh. Ah, ah! Uh, one sexual de- wow y'all really yeah mm-hmm. you, you don't come have, on come on you don't have to answer um ooh. one sexual do you des- have one Savoy? well yeah let me uh, marinate uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um i have one yeah what's yours i really really need a threesome with two dudes like i just like uh, need it mm-hmm. like more than anything that is like my big like just please you know please happen for me in 2019 come on that's what i'm manifesting yes come on i'm gonna manifest it for you too i'm gonna Mm -hmm. claim it for you i think mine would be um i still i want somebody to be in the room watching me and my partner have sex like i haven't had clearly i haven't had that happen also i haven't had someone hit my prostate in a long time if Ooh, ever okay all right this is where we go all right here's where we go <laughs> oh and i want some i don't have a prostate but i do that is also what i want i want to train myself i want to have like really good anal sex so that i can like easily yes. like so i can get like in there in the vagina and the ass at the same time Ooh. oh that'd be so fucking hot okay <laughs> okay then, i'm here ah, for ah, that ah, ah, ah. Um, double penetration. Yes. Haven't done that. Ooh. Either way, haven't done that. Okay. And I always, I'm like, it's just that I'm like, I don't understand how it works. I mean, I understand how it works, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, okay. haven't done that. That okay. would be interesting to me. Mm. I guess that means that there would have to be two people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. That's usually how that works. That's yes. how that works. DPs in 2019. So I haven't done that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> DP in 2019. Yes. Shout out. Shout out. Shut up. For the nine for the nine nines and the two thousand. I feel like this is gonna haunt me one day, but it's okay. Ah, 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 ah. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, I can't run for office or anything. Right, 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 right. That part. I had no I've plan. given that up years yeah. ago. Yeah, I let that dream go. Yeah. Um Okay, we're gonna do bird confessions, um, which are just rapid fire questions. You're okay. a bird. Um so I just want you to go into your most like Let me sip this water. <laughs> Get ready for the rapid fire. Uh, okay. What kind of bird are you? Pigeon, dove, flamingo, peacock, or eagle? 
Eagle. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Favorite Ratchet song. Oh, I have to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um. Oh, my God. I was singing one today. And it's like an old one. I don't know, y'all. Come on. You can think. I'm bad with the names. Can you, you sing it? Lit? Yeah, you want to sing it? I was going to sing Oh, so this is, this is corny. So this is going to show my age. It's this, okay. It's okay. But I was literally in the shower singing Drop It Like It's Hot today. So, yeah, I don't that's, know. No, that's, that's a, a classic. Ooh, child. <laughs> I don't know why. And so it's so random when you said that. So old school ratchet. Yeah, yeah it is Ooh. ratchet. And then you remember that video? That's my favorite like, Pharrell verse of all time. Oh, right. Yeah, that is a good one. I love it. Like, it's just Snoop in a white background. just And it's like black and white. And then it's like some girl just like popping her ass. Popping. And just like popping it the hardest, like to yes. that beat. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yo, this is so good. So yeah. we should have a video. Did Hype do that? Oh, I, I, you know what? You know, I, I need to do better I, with I think, my... I think Hype did. Well, I want to say yes. Yes, I think Hype did do that. Um, who would you want to write a song about you? Solange, Drake, or Future? Solange. <laughs> I mean, no shade. Yeah, but no. Solange. No. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like she would get all into my creative mm-hmm. blackness space. And yeah. Okay. Um, who could get the ass first, street pharmacist or gangbanger? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Your bird. <laughs> um, street pharmacist? Okay. Yes. Entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spirit. Yeah. Dream ghetto love. Lauren London, Nissy Hupsel. Amber and Wiz, Cardi and Offset. Cardi and Offset. Yes. Same. Y'all like, so y'all like a real, real, real nigga. Yeah, <laughs> but then also like, I know he, I know he's trash, but he, I, I also feel like he has a good heart inside. Like genuinely has a good heart. Or maybe that's what I hope. Okay. Yeah. Right. 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 I, 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 I mean, like that. that's another half hour. Uh, uh, right. Yeah, we were like, nah. Me yeah. and Emil were both like, yeah. nah. I'm like I'm like, okay. We can we can't lie to you like that. Okay. Um, knock a few buck or back that ass up. Back that ass up. Okay. Um, Tyro or Naomi. Naomi. All right. Ass implants or lipo? Your bird. Ugh. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Ass implants. Okay. Where you getting your ass implants? DR Columbia. DR. Okay. Um, IG model or video vixen? ID model. Really? Ooh. I, we've never had anybody be an IG model. You, IG model. I think we have. IG model. But I would have assumed. I would have assumed because you like you lived in like like you mm-hmm. did the you the, lived the, the era. The video I know. You like, so I did that. So yeah. oh, <laughs> I did that. All right. He was like, "Did you not see the white belt? <laughs> okay. Did you not see the white belt in the did sheer you not shirt? See the, did you not okay. see the tan in the gloss right. skin? I did that. We got to perfect this IG situation. Get all these likes up. All them DMs slide in. Okay, so you're an IG model. Which one are you endorsing? Flat tummy tee, waist trainer, weave, or fashion nova? Waist trainer. Okay. Ooh. Yes, I'm ups- mildly obsessed because I just like, how's that? Yeah. Does that work? Okay. <laughs> 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 I think this is the, the most fun we've had with a Burbish yeah, confession. Except for the Ratchet song, the uh, old school Ratchet no, song. No, Drop Like is no. High is still yes, that's an iconic song. Iconic. <laughs> Um, okay, so your baby daddy cheats on you. Who do you want to cover it? Shade Room, Baller Alert, Famulous, or Hollywood Unlocked? 
Shade room. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you go in on celebrity dinner to get, you know, paparazzi. You go in Philippe Child, no boo or catch. Catch. Really? I would have thought you were more of a no boo kind of guy. Yeah, but at paparazzi be better than me packing. Mm. Fair. I was thinking L.A. No, oh, okay. see, I always think LA. Uh, yeah, I don't for paparazzi. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, plan B or prayer? <laughs> prayer. <laughs> I, 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 I. Come on, come Bird on. Bird or not, prayer. prayer. <laughs> come on, come on, Pastor Mike. Okay. Come on, right? <laughs> All right, Zaddy of the week. This is one man we are currently crushing on, male presenting. Um, that we feel like we're crushing on and that can get everything. We will let you do the honor of picking your Zaddy of the Week. And it can be anybody. My Zaddy of the Week? Oh, this is awesome. Who will my Zaddy of the Week be? I'm trying to think of what happened this week, too. Like, if there's anybody. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> we also, we can also go so you yeah. can think, too. If I got mine. Oh yeah, you guys go. Yeah, uh, mine in honor of the name of this episode, Love Jones. It is Lorenz Tate. Okay. Uh, he is a classic fine. Um, <laughs> he's also from Chicago. Yes. I love a Chicago. Maywood to be exact. Yeah. Oh, he's Westside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maywood. Mm-hmm. My my uh, parts. <laughs> um, but yes, I love I love I love him. He's so fucking fine. Mm-hmm. Classic fine. Classic fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Kaluuya, because I watched, I saw parts mm-hmm. of Widows. Yesterday. Oh, I didn't see it. All, I see it. Yeah, me too. And I just think he just there's something about Daniel. Like he give me like that. Like he gonna fuck you, but like the most passionate way. Mm-hmm. Like he don't. He get very <laughs> like, like yeah. Like it's like it's gonna be like you are gonna be very surprised at how good slash like passionate it mm-hmm. is. Because I feel like he also gonna look you in your eyes real lovingly. Mm-hmm. He also has an accent, and he also can be like hood. Where he's from, uh, England, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. also kind of like hood England sometimes. Yeah. And so I'd be like, I'm feeling that. And that skin, like, can you just imagine that skin, <gasps> that like skin. slightly glistening, right, on top of you? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then also Elin Harris, because okay. I just feel like we don't give Elin enough. So, and I'm, he like changed like. Elin Harris. Harris. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like Elin. When you no, told me e- earlier, no, I was Elin like, who Harris. is that? No, but Elin. E period. Elin Harris. Harris yeah. Okay, yes, I know who that is. And he changed my my like young gay life. I was mm. reading all the invisible lives, reading my nice. sister's books, <laughs> not knowing what my life would become I and like that I would that. date a, a, a Guyanese okay. or deal with a Guyanese Haitian nigga that would make me feel like my life was invisible. But anyway. Oh, no. Lord Jesus. Who is your Zaddy of the week? So, you know, I keep coming back to Mahershala Ali. I just mm. feel like... Like, when he came up to win his second Oscar... Yes, come on. With that hat? With that hat. And that kind of like... I'm mad that I'm winning for this, but I'm still going to give you a fierce speech. Yeah. And I'm just going to be blackety black, 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 and kind of like in disdain when I'm walking off the stage. Like, it's so just 100, yeah. Like, who, he's just, and he's cool. Like, Mm. I think Mahershala is my daddy of the week. You know what? Did you watch True Detective? Yes. Yeah. That scene where he 
because don't we, spoil it. I'm sorry, but what? But he's shirtless. He's like shirtless. Oh, gotcha. he's like, yeah, he's yeah, yeah everything. And but see, even I didn't with fit, that haircut. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, see, no, even with that. the haircut. Uh-huh. But here's the thing: when he did, when they did the Calvin Klein moonlight spread, mm-hmm. and he was shirtless, it didn't do anything for yeah. me. Like I was like, I almost wanted you to keep on. You better in clothes, right. but then I guess he got the memo because mm-hmm. in that True Detective scene where he yeah, he looked, amazing. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, that. just that scene from Moonlight when he's in the water yeah. with the little boy, like it's just so like I'm like, oh, you that dude? Like you just come like you're a man, like you're like mm-hmm. a real man, and you're gonna help raise this boy and mm-hmm. like give him this just dope and just bless him with all these things but yeah his oscar swag i was like yeah you know okay so um i was telling Savoy this before and maybe well, i think it might have been we were talking to md but one of my favorite parts of sex is like that moment where you like have to breathe in to like get it all in and Mahershala gives me that like that that breath Mm -hmm. every time Mm -hmm. I think of him like that that Ah, just Oh, y'all, this a man. Y'all, imagine I've been dealing with this Emil for for almost eleven years I now. Love <laughs> like, I'm like, this yes. is the type of person. <laughs> this is what she's she's been saying shit like this since since, since two thousand eight. I love it. I love it. I'm like, be but, free. You're right, and she's very unassuming. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time me and yeah. Amber went to lunch at the pizza spot down the street from Universal we Motown. We sure fucking did. And we saw Sierra. <laughs> oh, that's fierce. Ah, ah, and we saw Sierra. That's um, I was like, I wasn't expecting all this because wow. she was like, I was like, where are you from? She's like, I'm from Chicago, and I was like, you are. <laughs> yeah, I I'm very much so. I think, and people are probably like learning this about me, but some of the things that I say, like it come comes out of nowhere. You're like, like I was telling them I used to be a bully back in the day, mm. and. Um, that's our not friend, surprise. <laughs> our friend Tierra was like, I can't imagine that. And then <laughs> and like, I was like, mm. Mm, yeah, I was a bully. But um, but yeah, I think I'm just I'm just an unassuming person sometimes. I like that. Amen. Amen. So bad bitch all the fame. Yes. One woman we feel like deserves a flower. It can be any woman. Um just anybody you feel like you want to give your flowers to. Like right now. Right now. I'm feeling very Pam Greer. Ooh. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Because I just feel like, yeah, just everything she did for culture, for feminism, for black women, just for black film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Pam Greer. Let's get Pam What Greer. a great flowers. answer. I, that flowers. actually inspired me and made me remember something. What? I'm going to do Paula J. Parker. From Friday, yeah, Bye. but I love yes with the braids and sprung mm-hmm. and proud family m- mm-hmm. mama proud. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Paula really was good at like she has great comedic like to mm-hmm. me she crawled so that Regina Hall could like mm-hmm. could like run yeah because yeah, 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 I feel yeah. like they're they're like when I look at like early Paula J- Paula J Parker I mm-hmm. feel like it's very similar to kind of what mm-hmm. Regina does okay. like in terms of comedic acting yeah. now okay. her dramatic acting right. but her comedic acting mm-hmm. it feels very similar oh cool and uh, I just always I, I like Sprung is like one of my favorite like bootleg movies 
<laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, you, oh, but let's, let's watch it. Cause yeah. you know I love a trash. Yeah, yes, movie. she's literally fucking um, um, like she's she's giving big top energy. Oh. Yes, big top. Yes, come on. Yes, big top. Um, my bad bitch Hall of Fame is Solange Knowles. I think I've given so I've given Beyonce. I've said Tina. I've said Blue. Mm. Um, so now it's time for Solange. Um. This album was, I don't give a fuck what y'all think or whatever, don't tweet me, Um, but it was really, really great. I love that she was so experimental. I love that she's always so unapologetic about being an R&B artist, because I think a lot of R&B artists are like, who are making more experimental music are like, don't box me in, I'm not... I'm not R&B or whatever, but you can still be an R&B artist and still make really dope and cool music and still, you know, push the genre and push other genres of music too. And that's what I really love about her. And I also love that she's just so herself or just so different. It's just like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to do what I do. And that's really inspiring. Um, That's really inspiring to me. And then um, I have another one um, who is also on Solange's new album please stop what you're doing please right now pause this and go look up alexis k tyler Mm. she was a host of an atlanta public radio show Mm. um and she talks about penis power vagina power oh yes um she was like for me in college we still watch we usually get really high and watch her videos <laughs> I love it and it was just so great like and it's like you gonna, y'all gonna pause it y'all gonna look her up and y'all gonna be like what the fuck Amber but get into what she has to say okay I love it as always we close the episode with good bussy vibes which is one quote that I've seen that inspire me and it reads the breaking leads to opening the opening allows expansion The expansion creates more space. The space invites growth in. Once again, the quote reads, the breaking leads to opening. The opening allows expansion. The expansion creates more space. The space invites growth in. Mm. So let that growth in, bitches. So (laughs) just like I told you, when you take that breath, the... Expand. Expand. Ah, ah, ah. You know what I'm saying? To so let your opening creates expansion. <laughs> yeah, to let your, your bussy walk. Yes, come on. Come ah, on. Ah. Amir, where would you like the people to find you? What would you like the people to follow? Mm-hmm. Yes. All that good stuff. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Emil Wilbekin. So it's E M I L W I L B E K I N. Native Sun is at Native Sun now on all platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm out here. Check out Afropunk.com too because yes. we're doing some really dope stuff. Miles is killing it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, killing it. Um, and that's it. Check me out. Okay. Thank you for having no, me. Th- thank what? you. No, thank, no, no. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. What? Are you kidding? Thank you. No, this is like, this is iconic. So yeah. I really want you to know, like, I know you still have lots of great stuff that you're doing and doing. So I don't want to, by any ways, negate that fact. But... Mm everything you've done previous to this i know it's only gonna get better but yeah what you've done like it really did change my life so thank you mm. so it really changed black culture not yes. just the boys like yeah. i mean that's it not saying yes. that your life wasn't significant <laughs> yeah but fair but fair. I mean, it changed you changed like black culture wow so Oh, thank, thank you. you. Because thank of you, you Ashanti you. got put in Dolce Gabbana gowns. Okay. okay. <laughs> On her first cover. All right. That might not happen without you. 
I can't stand you. You know what? Not that's no shade to it. First of all, loves Ashanti because I love Ashanti. I am a Ashanti girl. Like yes, I still I. I will fight a bitch over the first three albums. Of okay. Shazzy. Okay. That's mm. that part. Shh. But, but, <laughs> what like, mm. I've Watch been a beast. Like, Miles brought this up. You, when it, when Ashanti came out, like, she, everybody was like, oh, she's going to be better than, she's better than B or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And no. No. I mean, I don't ever really think that she was really, I never thought that she was better than B. I just thought that, like, and I didn't like Ashanti's first album. This mm-hmm. is totally a tangent, but I just thought that she was doing something that like wasn't done at the time. Right. And I think she yeah. was very much. Which was what? <laughs> the shade girls are so shady. The girls are so shady. <laughs> I think Ashanti. When you look at Ashanti, and even just in general, like mm-hmm. Ashanti was the regular everyday girl. Like mm-hmm. Beyonce has always felt. Beyonce just has always felt, and still does feel. And that's no shade to her. Mm-hmm. She just feels above all. And mm-hmm. I think when you looked right. at Ashanti, Ashanti just looked like the everyday girl from New York that mm-hmm. she. You could literally found Ashanti in your local grocery store yeah absolutely and i think that's what was dope about her because she was just a girl writing songs Mm -hmm. and she you know she wasn't anything like yes she's pretty and Mm -hmm. she had a nice body and all those things and a good voice and a solid like dope ass pen but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day she was still just kind of like your everyday black girl and i think that kind of i think if we really are honest while I think Ashanti probably has inspired more of these younger artists when you look like an LMA or a Summer Walker. Mm -hmm. Like, those girls are very, like, they're not Beyonce. Like, they're not... Mahel, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. they're very much like every day I'm going to throw on some jeans and a t-shirt and put look go in my video versus I'm about but, to give you okay that's not to say that there's no I was going to say I feel like Shashanti did gave us a little bit more looks but also she eventually did but also but I do beginning. think like Girl Next Door was like Brandy and Monica like you know that type of yeah but person. then Girl she, Next Door okay go ahead well I was going to say I agree but I mm-hmm. think you have to realize contextually at that time mm-hmm. I think that she really came into this very very hard masculine That's true. world and gave the female voice to it mm-hmm. in a way that was very like we know her Mm. and that's someone that we can relate to and it was kind of post Brandy and Monica Mm -hmm. so it definitely I think she was a a great bridge to where we are now like Mm -hmm. I think I think because of her and you think about other women at that time like it was after Aaliyah but -hmm. it was like linked to Aaliyah Mm -hmm. Um, I think they all opened up the doors to make Rihanna and Beyonce and everyone like have a space Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Okay, Emil, I'll listen to you. Okay. I, I, listen to the elders. This intergenerational conversation. Yeah, and I, I think you say girl next door, and I don't think that Shanti was girl next door. I think she was everyday girl. Like, she gotcha. wasn't. Because Brandy gotcha. and Monica were very much like, oh, yeah, I yeah agree like, that. good. Yeah. Like, Shanti was literally your girl that was like, my mama worked, 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 worked at the, at the secretary at school, and my daddy worked yeah, at the factory. I feel right. you. I feel you. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And I'm singing for my community. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 
Okay. Thank y'all for this great. I know. We, okay. this, Look, we right, go down another I, lo- I, lo- I love this. I love this. Um, Because I stand for Shanti. Um, but anyways, thank you, Emil, for coming. Thank, thank you, you, Amber, thank for you. being amazing. My amazing co-host. And just, you know, like I said, making me, um, helping me become third album, Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw the potential from first and second album. Mm-hmm. You just was like, cut that hair off and add these wait tattoos. Till, wait till we get to rated R. <sighs> Ooh, child, I don't think they ready. They're not going to be ready. They're not. Because uh. when when our rude boy comes out, ah, bitch. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> y'all. Bitch. Ah, ah, ah. Thank y'all as always. Love y'all. Love <laughs> Pussy high. Bye. Bye. Bye.